Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror films of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington and I'm joined by a very special guest today. Terrell Graham is a film critic, YouTuber and podcast host of the Mind of the Escapist podcast. Uh, welcome to the show, Terrell. Thank you for inviting me on. I appreciate it. I'm looking oh, forward to our most, discussion. You're most, most welcome. And this, this has been a long time coming, hasn't it? It has, yeah. Well, like uh, we were saying before we got started, that you know we've been communicating through social media for so long, um, but this is the first time we're actually having that proper interaction. Yeah, exactly. And uh, having followed you on social media for like a long time, you've always got an opinion about uh, well horror films in particular, but you've always got an opinion about films that I that I'm always interested in. You know, it's always an opinion that makes me go, okay, all right, or oh, I've never thought about it like that, or. I'm always willing to like listen to what you've got to say. You know, sometimes people are just like firing out opinions left, right, and center. Yeah, like, ah, I've heard it before. I've heard it before. Yeah. But as soon as you put your opinion out, I'm like, okay, I'm willing. I'm getting ready to listen. We got to get this. No, I'd say the same with you. It's when you get like certain uh, people that you kind of like, even though you know like whether they might disagree or agree with the same. Like you might have different opinions. You're kind of always intrigued by what brought them to that opinion, and you kind of know. Oh yeah, like, you know whatever you hear, it's like oh, you, a different perspective that you can kind of respect. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna have any different opinions on the film today, though. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, but yeah, I thought we'd sort of like start pretty much at the beginning. I know you've been doing film criticism for like uh, for a while, for quite a few yeah. years. Starting on, st- was it starting on YouTube or did you do? Film yeah, so was, when I was sixteen, like um, it's oh, really wow. it's like a really random story because it was never really planned. Um, but I was 16 years old. I think I think what it really stemmed from really actually was in school. I had friends in school that I could talk to about films and that we would talk to about. But I kind of have this thing where it's like when I have passions, I was like I, I I almost like have to just like express express them in some way. And I feel like mm. those conversations with friends just wasn't enough. Like, I need to let out more. So um, funnily enough, back when I was 16, I had the PlayStation. What was it? The PlayStation camera for the PS3, and that's oh, yeah. all I had as a camera at the time. And I was like, I'm just going to set this up and just sit down and 
talk <laughs> about a film and record it and just put it on YouTube, just throw it on YouTube, see what happens. And I didn't really expect anything to happen from it. But I remember when I um, uploaded, started uploading videos and then people would comment on them and respond. I'm like, oh, people are actually, like, actually listening. <laughs> and they're actually responding. And now I'm talking to like someone across the internet about this film. And, and I just kept doing it. And then it started to like build up an audience. And it was, it was, it was a hobby, but then it, after a while I started to realize how like, actually this is like a career path. Like, mm. this is something that I can, that's a passion that I can kind of just continue to do and actually get things out of it. And like certain mm. uh, contacts I received through doing that, cause I was reviewing video games as well. And I think the first mm. professional kind of contact I got was from Activision um, oh, nice. in regards to video games. And they started sending me out video games. And I thought, oh, I can actually uh, prolong this and make something out of it. And I didn't know about the YouTube partner scheme at the time or anything like that as well. And when I started to receive ad revenue and money from it at 16, I was like, oh, you could actually make money off YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then it kind of just went yeah. from there. But I did that for, so I started that in 2010. Mm. And I'd say I remained very consistent with it until at least like 2018, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of slowed down with it. And then what I did at that time was transition into written form of reviews on like a little blog that I had. Mm. Um, which I did for a few years. And then I kind of went back and forth between YouTube and that. And then podcast wise, I started that this year, but then that's been something that's been on my mind for a long, long time. Like, cause I feel like I like the long form aspect of podcasts where you can just kind of have a discussion yeah. and just talk for a long extended period of time. And I find them really interesting to listen to as well for that reason. Um, mm. cause it's much more like conversational and you can really get the information out. Um, so I've kind of been on a long journey yeah. with <laughs> with it. All. A long journey, but like had a had a decent amount of success with it as well. Like I've seen that you've been to like loads of premieres for various yeah. things, and then like a clip of yours was included in like a reaction video for like a Marvel trailer. Yeah, that that's right? probably one of the highlights of that of this whole journey I've done is because um when was this now? This was for before Infinity War came out. So I think this was that's right. Yeah, was that twenty eighteen? Yeah. Um, I got contacted. Was it by email? by this woman and she said, oh, I'm from Disney's marketing, blah, 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 blah. Um, we would like to use a clip from your YouTube video. And I kind of looked at it. I remember I was in work when I read the email <laughs> and I kind of looked at it and I just put my phone away. Cause I thought, oh, that's just like, that's not real. That's a load of nonsense. <laughs> and then I can't remember if she like messaged me something else. And then I, there just came a point where I kind of looked at it again. I was like, I had that realization, like, wait, this is real. Cause she's asking for like my details to send me money. Um, I think they pay me 300 pounds that and what it was oh, was wow, one okay. of my trailer oh, nice. reaction videos i did so so what they were doing for the marketing there was this trailer that they released to kind of thank the fans leading up to the release of infinity war yeah yeah the I whole of the that, mcu yeah. mm. and they like took clips from different youtube videos over the years of like the whole span of the M- mcu and put it into this one trailer which was then teasing the official trailer for infinity war and it was my guardians of the galaxy trailer reaction video i did in 2014 literally just a one second clip of me like smiling at a particular yeah. scene in that reaction that they then cut and put into that marvel trailer and i got 300 pounds for it and it was that type of thing where one I kind of didn't fully believe yeah <laughs> didn't fully believe it until the trailer release and i watched it and just saw myself there and i was like this is insane because <laughs> it's like this trailer i think now the trailer on youtube had like six million views and it's like oh, that's wow, just okay. 
crazy to see yourself in a in a trailer like that like i'm actually in a disney official trailer <laughs> for the mcu you're, fi- you're officially kind of part of the mcu yeah <laughs> it's like i'm immortalized through the mcu marketing <laughs> that's cool i mean so obviously it's like it's you've managed to get a lot of opportunities like out of it as well like i guess you so you're not doing youtube too much these days you're more just yeah not as much so last year i made a fresh youtube channel um, which was called Mind of the Escapist, which is the same name as the podcast. And my idea with that then was to, right, I'm going to go straight back into YouTube and do it properly again. Um, but then what I found is just recording videos. When I was younger, it was easier time-wise, but recording videos, setting it up, editing and all that, like it was taking up so much time. Mm. And I kind of just camera-wise wasn't feeling being on camera as much as I used to. Whereas when I was younger, I could just do it. Don't mm. care how it looked. Da, 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 da. And as I got older, it's like, oh, this is... It's a lot more effort than it used to be. Um, And I don't know where I'm going to find the time to do it all. Uh, So that kind of slowed down pretty quickly as I was doing it. But it was like, I still had that itch within me to talk about films Mm. and express. And then that's when I started to myself listen to podcasts more. And I'm like, actually, this is the perfect thing for me because I can sit in front of a microphone and talk all day long. And, you know, (laughs) it just goes, it just goes on. And then just, and I like, for me, I don't know if I have like this OCD thing, but I like the idea of, and it's the same with YouTube, but I think in podcasts it's a bit different, of just having a log of like review. Like even though I can go back to like, so once yeah. I, you know, you build up over time, it's like, oh, this film comes out. Oh, what did I think of this film when it came out? Oh, oh yeah. Listen to this. I'm with you on that. And, I'm with you on that. Yeah, definitely. I really like that aspect of it. Yeah. Do you, do you use, do you use, use Letterbox quite a lot as well, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's that, another that's thing. That's the perfect that's the perfect like way of me like going like well after what John Wick chapter four I was like ah oh, how did I rank the rest of them again like I'm almost like yeah. challenging <laughs> myself to remember and like it's great to see like what year and what date you watched it as well I mean I, I rewatched uh, Evil Dead 2013 recently and I was like when did I last see that it feels like a long long time ago but then I've I can literally see how many times I've watched it in the last eight nine years. Which yeah, is... I love that app. It's like that is like a. F- I was I saw this tweet earlier actually that was saying like about this is talking about the elite apps on social media right now, and it yeah. had just TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. And I was thinking, no, Letterbox is the one. Like that is the Letterbox is number you one. You just get lost in that app. You can just open it up and just fall down a wormhole of like films. Oh. You click on one director's name, see this yeah. film, click that, read I'm this the review. Worst. <laughs> I'm the worst for doing. Like, I really shouldn't, and I probably shouldn't even admit to it, but I, I'm the worst for opening the app like as soon as a film starts. Because I'll see a name like on the opening credits, and I'll go, ah, hang on a minute. I know yeah, that. Yeah, and they're like looking. <laughs> Literally. Look, and then like looking at- a habit I have as well is like, if I'm watching a film, especially horror films, I love to see the reviews on there for, especially if I'm watching like really obscure ones. Like I've watched a lot of um, Italian giallo films. Like that's one of my favorite subgenres. And like I had this phase a couple of years ago where I was spent a couple months like really just diving through loads of them and going like filmmaker by filmmaker. And I just found it so satisfying to like watch those films and then go straight onto Letterbox and see what yeah. everyone else is thinking about these films and. And then you discover new ones through there, and it's. I think that app's brilliant. I think like I think I, I watched you from afar doing that. It sounds a bit sinister, but <laughs> like, <laughs> like like on Twitter and then like on Letterboxd, I saw you like doing the Jalo thing because yeah, um, we're doing a Jalo film next week actually with a, with a director of a short a short Jalo film. Um, so but it's always been one of those genres that I've not dived into as deeply as perhaps I would like to. So I'm definitely very interested to like find out more. But we're doing um, Ten- Tenebrae. Oh, that's one of my. That is one of my favorites. Oh that, wow! Okay, yeah. we've got you have in you for the wrong episode. Or... <laughs> no, no, I've have not, you... I've not, I've not seen it yet. So no, this week no I'll so be that's that's one of those ones where 
through that phase of time, I think it was in 2020 when I just went through loads of them. And Dario Argento is like, I'd say he's probably my favorite horror director. And yeah. that's the one where I liked it when I first watched it. I think I've seen it about three times now, but I, I liked it when I first watched it. And then, you know, when you like watch a film and then over time, the more you think about it, it kind of just grows on you. And then you watch it again and you're like, is it as good as I remember? And then you're like, oh, I like it even more. And then you watch it again. It's like, no, I still like it even more. And like, that's a yeah. film I've been meaning to watch like sometime with it over the past couple of months. I haven't got around to it yet because I bought the 4K restoration they did of it. But I haven't oh, wow, watched the okay. 4K version yet. Um, but I do really like that film. I feel I'll like be, we, definitely I feel be tuning like... in. We've got you in for the wrong episode, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, any other Jallo films you do, I'll be happy to come back on. But I'll definitely yeah. be checking out what you think of that. Because uh, yeah, That's definitely uh, like, this, despite the fact we're like approaching 300 episodes, it's weird how some subgenres we kind of haven't covered quite as much as others. And that that is definitely one of them. So we're, we're trying to correct that like within the next I think that's few, what I love about months. horror in general is there's so, more than any other genre I can think of, there's so many subgenres that branch off. Like just so yeah. many and like you could like you could watch a hundred horror films like around one specific subgenre and there'll be just another subgenre with another 200 that you've never seen that's completely yeah. different and like you can always find something different weird and different in horror and i think that's why that's I, I feel like it. this podcast is probably going to go on forever because yeah <laughs> yeah i tell people yeah we've done like 300 episodes oh you must be getting pretty close to completing horror no not even no. close yeah <laughs> not even scratch the surface um of of the genre um and then also like talking about your podcast again it's it's strictly like a solo podcast as well right yeah so like starting yeah. out i've started it as a solo one um i'm i i as it goes on i do want to start welcoming guests onto it and then potentially depending on who i might find maybe even having like a co-host as well um mm. but just starting out i thought let me just get this started myself anyway and then yeah. see where it goes because it's one of those things that once again what i like about it is i've started it now and it's like i see this now going on for years <laughs> like so it's like mm. there's that kind of yeah i've done the first well, step but like i can see it evolving over time and i plan well, to stick not, with it for years it's not exclusively horror either is it so clearly yeah so it's a mix it has the potential. Um, yeah, film and video games trying to cover on there. Um, and even manga and anime as well. But then what I realized very quickly, nice. having said all of that, is the amount of time you have to record an episode and uh, to upload an episode and the myriad of things there is to talk about. Like uh, Dead Space. Mm. I know you played Dead Space. I was meaning to re yeah. review that remake back in January. I still haven't got around to reviewing that one there yet because I just got caught up with other reviews I'm doing. Yeah. But, but yeah. I think maybe and we Resident said about Evil as well. Yeah, I, have, yeah. I haven't even finished Resident Evil 4 remake yet, but oh, you've not for those I still oh, wow. plan to plan to review all of that as well. But yeah, get to it in oh. due course. <laughs> I've been on it. I think I'm on my third playthrough now, and uh, I don't usually do that, but I don't know. It's just something about this game where I'm just like, ah, oh, maybe I could try it on a higher difficulty. Maybe I could try it on the. I think there's like professional mode, and now yeah. I've unlocked like an unlimited rocket launcher. So it's just fun, you know. It doesn't even feel like I'm necessarily playing the game through again. I'm just. Yeah, just enjoy that. And I think I found with the because where did I get to in that game? I got up to the part where you um basically where you just find Ashley. Um, mm. but what I found with the Resident Evil remake and the Dead Space one is both of those games have like really good gameplay loops where like the actual core gameplay of those games is just really yeah. addicting and fun. Just the gameplay, the weapons yeah. you get given, and I think Definitely. seeing those two games come back now. And see how strong they are gameplay wise. It kind of makes a lot of the newer games that are coming out around now. It makes you realize actually, yeah, these older games that's... were doing it like really well back then. 
Did did you play the Callisto Protocol as well? Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, I did. <laughs> the, le- the less you say about it the best. Is it just yeah. like dead dead space but not good? Yeah, and with me I didn't realise how much melee focus it was gonna be. So when I first uh, started playing right, okay. it and like yeah. have you played it at all or No, no, I haven't. No, so, so yeah, it's very melee focused, like almost like a I don't say like a beat em up game, but like that primary thing you're doing in that game is dodging the enemy with the left stick by like literally swaying right and left and then countering them with like a punch or with your baton or something. Yeah. But that... it's just a really poorly made game. Uh... Like I feel like if it, when I first played it, what it felt like is it felt like a game that was in like an alpha phase. Like it didn't feel oh, like yeah. it had gone past yeah. the QA testing yet. Um, and I They still release thinking, games like that, don't they? Yeah, it's crazy because I bought it thinking, right, I'm going to play this just this weekend and trade it back in but it was such a bad state i couldn't get through i had to put it down for a few weeks go back to it and then what i eventually ended up doing is actually turning the difficulty down to easy because it was such a broken game that like playing it on normal was just frustrating because yeah the way the combat is and the way you move Mm. if an enemy's if you've got one enemy you can kind of get away with it but as soon as like multiple enemies are on screen you just get blindsided by enemies behind you and you can't properly like navigate the gameplay to fight multiple people so yeah very frustrating well, i saw that they added something like a, a patch or something saying um it was limb dismemberment like, yeah i saw limb that. dismemberment mode i was like hang on a minute that's literally yeah. exactly what makes dead space dead, dead space, space. That's and exactly it's coming it. a patch like six months later and it's like <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's like kinda, the state of video games right now when it comes to just patching things in. <laughs> I'm kind of glad I missed that then. Um, so, so with your podcast, how how do you find it doing like a solo podcast thing? Because w- when I've been listening, this is kind of something that I that I was curious about. Because when I do a podcast with somebody, like I'm bouncing off of people and I'm constantly like the conversation is constantly going. Do you tend to yeah. just record and just whatever comes out is the episode? Do you tend to like yeah? So it, like or... I think what helps me with it doing it solo is I think to me it's almost the same as what I was doing on YouTube in a way just without my face attached. Um, yeah. Whereas that thing where I'm just kind of talking to myself, <laughs> like it's just a, which was when I first started doing YouTube was a really weird thing to wrap my head around. Cause it's like, I'm just talking to a camera. <laughs> like I'm yeah. just looking at a camera, looking at myself and just chatting. <laughs> but what I find is I, I used to do it like kind of just freely with the first few like attempts of recording episodes. Then I realized actually I need a few notes here to keep myself focused. Because otherwise yeah. I just rattle on and then I start to lose track of what I've covered and what I haven't covered. Um, but yeah, so I, it, for me, it almost feels like just doing a YouTube video um, in that mm. sense. So I kind of, but then sometimes I do feel like, ah, oh, it'd be nice to actually have a discussion like a, with someone right now about this particular thing in this episode. And that's why I think I'm going to start bringing people on and doing mm. things like that as well. Cause it's impressive I think though. Like, it was two one of different those... dynamics. Yeah. Sorry, well, man. Um, yeah, all I was going to say, I think it's impressive because I can't begin to imagine like sort of recording this on my own. I feel like I'd start talking and i go, ah, oh, no. <laughs> you do get that sometimes, though. Oh, you like, you, you kind of like pause and it's like, wait, have I, did I just rattle on about that point for five minutes when it could have been done in one minute? <laughs> and then you yeah. kind of like listen to it back and it's like, oh, no, 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 that's all right. It's really <laughs> but what I do find the interesting thing is no matter how much I feel in the moment that I've just rattled on and sometimes like I've, record a whole episode be 30 minutes finish it and feel like did i say anything of like does that make sense what i've just said <laughs> yeah, yeah. whenever i listen to it back it actually does but it's just when you get i feel like when you're talking to yourself for so long <laughs> you start oh. to think oh does that even make sense but yeah it does in the end <laughs> yeah well that's good um 
well. But as I was going to say, it's really interesting to see like how your film criticism has developed from, or like transitioned, sorry, from like one thing to the next, and and how and how that's worked out. I think it's really good. Um, so I was going to talk about the your 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 history of Evil Dead first, but I thought the first thing you mentioned is the fact that you did attend the Evil Dead Rise UK premiere in London yeah. at the Prince Charles. Charles, yeah, Prince Charles, yeah, 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 Prince Charlie. Uh, with and Lee Cronin was there as well. Yeah, he was, he was attending uh, yeah, he did a Q and A after the film as well. Um, oh, but that wow. that cinema is one of my favourites in the UK now. I've been mm. there a few times. I think the the first time I've always been aware of it, but I, the first time I only I went there was actually Halloween last year, and I watched uh, Dario Argento's Suspiria in Halloween down oh, there. Oh wow! Oh wait, um, so I was going to say were you there for Fright Fest, but that was before Halloween, wasn't it? Yeah, so, so the Fright Fest screening I had, because uh, I did actually watch Dario Argento's newest film, I think it's called oh, yeah. Dark Glasses. Dark I watched glasses, that at yeah. Fright Fest. That was in Cineworld on Leicester Square when I saw that okay. screening. Oh, yeah, that's um, right, isn't it? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was getting and he was actually that. in attendance, which blew my mind, because like, Dario Argento, with him being like my <laughs> favourite horror yeah. filmmaker, he's one of those people that I just never in my mind would I ever consider I'd be sat in the same room as him. And to see him kind of... And I was like a few rows from the front as well, so to see him come out... And introduce the film and then talk yeah. a bit about it and he had his oh, translator right. there it's like wow like i always get that thing when i see like celebrities especially like people i admire creatively where you look mm. at them i'm like the things he must have seen like the experiences <laughs> this man in front of me has had and i think of all these films i've watched all the shots all the gore all the things and it's like it's all come from this mind like this man yeah. right in front of me right now has done all of that and he yeah. stood right here and it's it's kind of crazy it's fascinating but it's kind of like i feel like if i met somebody like that i just wouldn't know what to say yeah, you just freeze I'd up. I don't know. I don't know. ridiculous. Like, oh, the spirit was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that. <laughs> just keep it real casual, super casual. Yeah. Keep it what? You know, too casual. Do you know what I mean? Almost yeah. too casual. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Evil Dead. Um, that experience was really good because I find, like, in the UK, for America, whenever I hear about or see clips of American cinemas, they're very loud and they're very audible with their reactions. Yeah. Sometimes a bit too much. Whereas in the UK, for like they're just very quiet most of the time. But then when you go to these type of premiere events, like watching this film with a crowd of people that love Evil Dead, and it was just a lot of cheers, a lot of gasps, a lot of laughs. Um, talking about yeah, the title card of Evil Dead Rise, like when that came up, oh, like yeah. everyone was like, I think a few people were like applauding, and like you just the energy you get from those type of environments. And I think the Evil Dead Rise is yeah. like a perfect film. For that definitely type of environment. I, I i feel like that yeah if i was just watching it in a normal cinema with normal moviegoers if people were cheering and stuff i might be like all right yeah. <laughs> all right <laughs> pipe down but i think if you, if you go to an actual like premiere event and it's with an actual crowd of people i mean especially if there are directors there i think you've got to audibly um kind just of give them some feedback yeah <laughs> give them some feedback because it must feel amazing you know um, especially like moments like that which you've probably poured over for months on end just like how are we gonna make this title card effective um and that yeah. was one of the se that was one of the sequences from the trailer which i was the most curious about as well because i felt like it all takes place in this like high-rise building this apartment complex what's this scene in the on the lake i was just yeah like what's going on there yeah yeah um, I, I didn't know if it's going to be like a, an, an opening scene like a cold open or whether it was going to be something that like interweaved into the story somehow i was really fascinated by that very intriguing um, yeah i think it's, it's one of uh, probably evil dead rise might be the trailer i've seen the most as well that's another thing i was worried about with the film you know when you've seen a trailer so much so, so many like, times yeah i feel like every See, time like i've been to... yeah, sorry, oh, carry on. On. <laughs> i was, I was gonna say, say every... 
<laughs> oh, no. um, um, yeah, so trailer wise, I tend to avoid horror trailers. Um, and I'm usually pretty good at it. But then when it's something like Evil Dead, it's like, no, I need to see what's going on here. Like, I can't avoid the Evil Dead trailer. So I watched yeah. it. And like, I do that thing where I watch it and then I try and like, forget about it. I try and like, mm. erase as much as the imagery out yeah. of my mind. But I think I did end up seeing the trailer for this quite a few times. Yeah. Um, to the point where, and I saw a lot of the Instagram kind of trailers that they put up for it as well um yeah well we yeah did, it just we, had me intrigued we did, like a, we did a reaction and we did one of those things where you scrub through looking at every little tiny detail Frame. Yeah. which is good but at the same time like in a way you're a bit like oh i've seen it all and every time every time that trailer came on in cinemas since then i would just put my head down or just look at my yeah. just like quietly look at my phone just like i don't want to see the trailer again because I, I am like you like I don't know what it says about my mental state, but I'm really good at forgetting things. Like, <laughs> yeah, if, I've seen, no, no. <laughs> if I've seen a trailer, I can pretty much like someone could tell me a spoiler about a film, and I could almost convince myself to just to forget that. They'd yeah. tell me a major spoiler, and then when it, when it, when I do see it again, I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't already know this. But yeah, I know what you mean like, actually. Like, I, I can yeah. kind of do the same type of thing. It's like where you. It's like, because sometimes people just say things that aren't true in the film as well. So like, sometimes people think they're joking by just saying, because I hate, I hate when people do that, to be honest, when they try and give you a fake spoiler. I'm like, yeah, but now, because the way that my brain works, I'm going to be like analyzing, looking for that in the film. and all the, But then eventually I do tend to forget. I feel like if I forgive myself like two weeks, it's gone. Mm. <laughs> it's like out of my head and I forget. Etch a sketch. That's what I compare my brain yeah. to. Just, like, <laughs> just give it a shake and it's gone. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. I've got no time for fake spoilers. God, what are people playing? Yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes people don't realize what a, what a spoiler is, though. Like, say they'll say, uh, "This isn't really a spoiler," but and then major spoiler, and you're like, "How is that not a spoiler? That's a yeah. huge spoiler." Like, well, like we were saying before, even with the title card, because you said you've seen the title card before you saw the film. Yeah. And like yeah. for me, for a title card in general is not a spoiler, but for the type of title card that this is, seeing it before my eyes is a spoiler because <laughs> it's like. It's part of yeah. that experience, like and... it's the experience. But that's uh, uh, we will get into it obviously when we talk about the film. But the sound, like the the sound design when that title card appears as well. Like, I mean, I I, just, yeah. I love it when a film gives you goosebumps, but like in the best possible way. It's just yeah. I was just like, whoa, this is this is <laughs> like you're about to go on a ride. <laughs> you are about to go on a ride, exactly. And and then also like, yeah, we'll get into, we'll save it, we'll save it. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, I mean, and I guess the, the last thing I wanted to say, and I guess we will cover this a bit with what we've been watching, because you said you've been watching Evil Dead movies. But like, what is your history with the franchise? Have you always been a fan? Um, is it something that you saw when you were really young, or have you, have you sort of discovered it when you're a bit older? Yeah. So evil. What I find, and this is something I love about horror. Whenever you speak to people about horror, because everyone, I mean, I guess it goes for everything, but with horror in particular, everyone has like that timeline of horror their like journey through the genre and like when they first started and when they watched this classic film and when they experienced and evil dead for me was one of the films that were like at the start of that for me i think some of the earliest horror films i can remember watching were like the exorcist halloween uh final destination saw and evil dead was somewhere in amongst that so i think i was like 12 years old i want to say um because oh, there was okay. when i was 12 i started using birthday money well getting my parents to use my birthday money to buy horror dvd box sets and i remember oh, yeah. i had the evil dead one and for a long time like back then for that early phase of me being a horror fan when i was kind of being introduced to the genre the first evil dead was like my favorite horror film and it was for a very long time um my like mm. absolute favorite one 
And I think I was just drawn to, because for me, it's that quintessential kind of cabin in the woods type of film. Um, and I was just drawn to that. I always remember like the pencil in the, in the ankle uh, scene from the first. Yeah. I always remember that being like the thing that always like kind of just made me go. Um, yeah. And like, of course, like Bruce Campbell and, and just the effects and the camera work. And the interesting thing I find about it actually now, like I was thinking about it the other day is Sam Raimi in general, my introduction to him would have been Spider-Man. And I wouldn't have known at that time that, you know, he made Evil Dead at the time of watching it when I watched Evil Dead. And now looking back on it, it's quite interesting, I think, how I was so drawn to his work with Spider-Man and then drawn to his work with Evil Dead. Yeah. And then as I got older, I started to realize how much of that Evil Dead, like, filmmaking techniques kind of found their way into Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, in oh Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock in the hospital scene. And you've got yeah. like arms oh, moving around. I always around. talk about that scene. Always talk yeah, about it. Yeah, like it is, just it how horror. he managed to put like a horror scene in the middle of a Spider-Man film. How yeah. I only found out the other day that the car that Uncle Ben drives is the same car from Evil Dead. I only it's found old, that out the other it's day. It's the Oldsmobile. Yeah, yeah, yeah I only I found that out recently. I'm like, I don't think I knew that either. <laughs> yeah, someone said that. And I was like, wait, what? And then uh, Bruce Campbell, of course, who I. I didn't really make the connection there because I would have seen Spider-Man yeah. first. So it's like, who's this guy that keeps popping up in Spider-Man? And then you watch you're like, oh, it's him. Three completely different ca- cameos. Uh, yeah. Ted, Ted Raimi's in it as well, isn't he? I think he's in like... I can't Marvel. remember. Yeah. yeah. I'm, like... I'm, probably the, I'm probably the same though. Like, I mean, I definitely had seen Evil Dead before Spider-Man, but I definitely wasn't of the frame of mind where I would have like known who directors were necessarily. So yeah. it's weird looking back at it and being a fan of like both sort of like genres like real big spider fan of that spider-man trilogy um even the third one to a degree even though it gets uh <laughs> even though it does get it's quite underrated the third one i think especially when you look at it yeah. by today's standards and what what comes out superhero wise now i feel like it props yeah. the third one up a bit higher now because some yeah. of the bad superhero films you get now are like way worse <laughs> yeah no no i agree with you there and do you know what i i the Sandman story within that film kind of works. I feel like if the Sandman story was on its own in in a, in a film, or maybe two villains, per, perhaps. Um, yeah, I think that's his biggest crime: is just being bloated and like a bit messy. But then it's like a lot of superhero films nowadays are that now. So so it's like yeah. it's kind of it's not like, like the get, biggest crime to commit. Get nine villains in there. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I guess I'm fairly similar to you in a way where I so I saw Evil Dead two first, um, like on BBC two, like late at night i've said this on the podcast before but i used to watch horror films with subtitles on and the volume on zero just because my parents wouldn't have like allowed me to did the same they'd thing just be, they'd just be like turn the tv off and it wouldn't have been <laughs> and it wouldn't have been because they didn't want me to watch the film it would be because they'd be like it's it's late you gotta go to school in the morning or or the electricity turn it off yeah yeah <laughs> so the so, secret you're like cooped up in bed just trying to watch the tv yeah. trying to see so, it so i watch yeah. things like evil dead from dusk till dawn and like just loads of stuff like that um so i saw evil dead 2 first and so in my memory that was always like the quintessential evil dead story that so that when when i went back and watched the evil dead bearing in mind like the second one it kind of remakes a certain section of that film anyway doesn't it it yeah. always felt like what's this this isn't right this just feels like evil dead 2 but not quite as good i don't know that's just kind of like my point of view so i kind of like grew up knowing what evil dead 2 was and then so i saw army of darkness quite late as well it wasn't like i just moved on to that um it was probably like in my late teens i saw army of darkness and and then of course like evil dead 2013 um which is a completely different 
vibe, but I I know you're a fan of that as well. Yeah, that's that's like I remember when that came out. So that's ten years ago now. And for me, the excitement then was I had just, well, I won't say just, but I was eighteen at the time when that came out. And for me, I had so much excitement in just being this is eighteen rated. I can actually watch an Evil Dead film in the cinema, <laughs> and like yeah. I'm really excited. And I remember the trailers for that really got me. Like I was really like, this looks incredible. And then I remember watching it, and that's one of the most memorable cinema experiences that I think I've ever had because I just remember how relentless it is, how like violent and gory and visceral it is. And I remember yeah. two people walking out and never coming back. And I think I was on a date when I watched it the first time as well. And I remember this is a crazy date film to just bring, bring someone in to watch Evil Dead. I feel like you're going you're gonna to learn more about anybody than in any other experience than just seeing their reaction to some of those scenes. Yeah. Like, if they don't flinch, if they don't even flinch slightly, you're like, I'm actually yeah. not interested. Red flag. Or, may- yeah. or, maybe, I, or maybe, I, maybe I'm even more interested than I yeah. would have been. Just like... Oh yeah, passed the horror think... test. <laughs> you passed the horror test. Yeah, I like. I went on a date with someone to watch Hereditary, and this was like, th- this was again like the perfect one because I, I was like, this film is amazing. I absolutely love it, and she genuinely said that was awful. And honestly, I was like, <laughs> it made me rethink everything. And, uh, <laughs> there wasn't a second date. There wasn't a second date. And that, that we are not been... compatible. <laughs> We're not compatible. That was awful, wasn't it? But it's like she said. That was awful, wasn't it? And I went. Oh, I was like, "Hell, <laughs> gonna have to explain why I love it." <laughs> the best bit was when that it was when that kid's head got taken off by a, <laughs> by a traffic pole. Uh, no, no, not compatible. Um, but yeah, like the, the Evil Dead. I remember, I remember being a little bit apprehensive about Evil Dead twenty thirteen because I was like, it doesn't look anything like the others, and like, but that's a good thing, isn't it? Like there, are, there are nods, there are subtle nods to to the Sam Raimi films ever so subtle but it it's clearly its own beast and it's not afraid to and that's one thing i would say like it is definitely way more brutal than evil dead rise sure there there's some seriously brutal stuff in evil dead rise but i don't know if there were ever any moments where i genuinely just went oh please don't do that yeah like, like... In, in evil dead 2013 there are at least five of those moments where i'm like anything but that in it's this just moment. like hardcore like um, why I saw someone tweet the other day actually that Evil Dead Rise is like the Mad Max Fury Road of like horror or of okay. the Evil Dead franchise, yeah. and I thought I would still say 2013 is that because that's the one where it's like adrenaline filled, like Rise is adrenaline filled as well. But it's like I feel like for what for what Rise achieves in terms of like the violence and the visceral nature of it, I feel like 2013 is still like double the intensity, and it's just once that film like gets going, yeah. it just goes doesn't stop and it gets more and more violent more and more makeup more and more blood starts raining blood at the end <laughs> like it just goes goes crazy but i love were, it for it like well you tweeted like the probably the most hardcore gif that's ever existed ever which is the yeah. which is the, like one of the final sequences in that um and i think one of the reasons 20, 2013 evil dead works is because it is just like straight up camp, cabin in the woods and then the as soon as the incantation is uttered things just kick off whereas i think evil dead rise and i'm not not saying this is to evil dead rise's detriment in any way i feel like it's telling and despite the fact that evil dead 2013 is a story of addiction and family in a way well it, not in a way but it is this feels like there are more working cogs to this like story of, of family and uh and motherhood as well um that I, I don't know i feel like if it went as far as 2013 evil dead 
I might be a bit like, okay, maybe we've lost some of the human story um, slightly. I, I yeah, know. I agree I with mean... that. Um, especially seeing, because I've watched Evil Dead Rise twice. The second time, I was able to really focus in on that storyline and really see, especially knowing where it would go, like to really analyze the kind of the first like half an hour and the, the building blocks of that. And it did actually work a lot better. I still think it worked good the first time I watched it, but I think there was a lot more nuance within it that I appreciated seeing it the second time. Mm. And just the little subtleties to it, that I thought just really set it up really nicely. Um, so that once things do go a bit crazy, it's like you are invested in that family. And I think it's quite a unique take for especially a film of this nature, especially like a really like hardcore horror film, like in the Evil Dead franchise to focus on a family. I think that's really actually quite unique because usually it is like your disposable teens or people you don't really yeah. care about or connect to. But with this one, it actually gave you like a good little basis of, well, this is a family. Oh. This is actually like, there's a reason this why they is... really want to stick in this situation. Yeah. And this was the first time I think I'd ever seen an Evil Dead film and I didn't think, I want to see you as a Deadite. I kind of didn't want anyone to become a Deadite. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted everyone to be all right. Like I just thought maybe just the mum will be a Deadite. And obviously this is this we are going to get into spoiler territory. But I'm so glad that there wasn't any of that in the trailer as well, showing anyone else. Everything else, yeah, because yeah, yeah, that was a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I understand that we've already been talking for quite a while, so I will let us just quickly rattle through some horror news. The first story of which is Evil Dead. <laughs> evil dead related so um so obviously it's been doing really well at the box office this weekend the expectations i think were high but i think it's it's gone beyond those apparently 23.5 million domestic in the u.s and um budget was like 19 million as well so that's um really good similar sort of to the 2013 evil dead opened to like 25 million so similar sort of numbers to that the reason i wanted to bring up this story is because bruce campbell earlier this week did say we're going to try and do evil dead movies so bruce campbell's a executive producer isn't he alongside yeah Sam Raimi. This one, that's yeah. right um we're going to try and do them every two or three years rather than every 10 years um and also sam is working with his brother um ivan to create an overall bible that will give future writers and directors an idea of where this thing should go next. So I guess like establishing the rules of, of the world and things that they want to continue to sort of focus on, for example. Um, I guess like a greater reference point as well, isn't it? I guess so that, that everyone could be on the same page, almost like a jumping off point, I guess. So it's like, this is like the basis of where all these films like connect or don't connect in the show and then make your story off of this. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, which is good because at least they still got like control over, over sort of some elements of it. For example, that's cool. Um, and then we did mention this uh, last week. We mentioned Insidious: The Red Door is going to have a trailer because I think when we recorded last week, the trailer hadn't arrived. Um, but now we have a trailer, but I've not seen it. So <laughs> I actually <laughs> have. You have. You have. Okay. Yeah. Um... So as, as far as I understand, there are returning characters from like early earlier installments, like all grown up, for example, and this going. Yeah, back and I, to it. I didn't actually recognize them when when because it start. Well, I can't I can't remember the ins and outs of the trailer completely, but it's following uh, Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne again, and the, and the son. He's in college now, and the whole time I was watching the trailer, I was like, why didn't they get the original guy back? And it wasn't until after the trailer ended, I saw on Twitter like, oh. Ty Simpkins' return. I was like, oh, it's actually him. He kind of looks him, quite yeah. different. Yeah, and I thought okay. straight, like, straight away, I was like, that's quite a cool thing. I like that because Insidious is one of those films that I have quite strong memories to, like the first one. 
watching mm-hmm. that in the cinema. Um, and that's always been a memorable film experience for me again. And I think the first two films are really good. And I, mm-hmm. I think, I think they probably don't even get enough credit for how good they are and for how unique the kind of haunted house story of those is, but it done it in a different way. And then I mm. think the third and the fourth kind of, cause they were just separate stories. I didn't really connect with those films as well. I didn't think they were as good, but to see these characters come back in the, the new one and to see the story kind of continue, it almost feels like a natural third film in the franchise. Cause it's following the story of one and two and oh, doing something okay. else. Okay. Um, and even the red demon from the first ones in the trailer, he's back as well. Oh yeah. And D- Darth Maul himself. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of curious just to see what they do with this story in the sense of if they're going to introduce anything new with the further and that kind of element. And, you know, the, the films, like, as you kind of expect with these type of films, it's teasing like dark secrets will be revealed, blah, 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 about oh, the, right, yeah. the further and things. And I'm like, what is that? You know, is there any new creatures that we might see or anything like yeah. that? Yeah. So it looks better than I thought it would, to be fair. When I heard that they were making another one, I'm like, oh, they should have stopped because three and four wasn't that good. But uh, this seems inspired. I, I don't even know who's directing it, actually, but it seems like it's got a bit of passion and creativity yeah, behind okay. it. Um, I've only ever seen the first one, so <laughs> I don't know. It's just one of those, you know, sometimes like a, a certain a certain franchise doesn't really like grab you. And I yeah. think the first one, I kind of, I think I enjoyed it to a degree, but I didn't really have any any, any inkling to like carry on seeing stories yeah. from it so i didn't even actually know that this was number five i was a bit like is this number four five um but yeah i'll maybe i'll give the trailer a watch then just uh but I've, I've definitely i'll have to watch the others before i can't watch one and then five one that's, and so as I that's say, not the way the, i roll for how this trailer's looking two is the only other one that needs to be seen i guess but i think yeah. i haven't seen two for a very long time but if i remember correctly i think the story on that one was actually quite interesting just because it was not as conventional as of a sequel as you would think it would be like. I think they introduced okay. some interesting ideas in that film, if I remember correctly, that were kind of like, oh, they actually, once again, it's kind of like, there's a bit of creativity and passion here. There's not just yeah. making a sequel for sequel's sake. It's like they actually had an idea to expand upon the first film. Okay. All right. Well, that's interesting, at least. Um, I definitely would like to check them out because it's, it's just one of those things, you know. Um, I kind of think, oh, I'll wait till they kind of wrap up making them and then I'll watch them. But then it seems yeah. like they're going on forever. So, <laughs> okay, Always and extending the, uh... franchises. Well, I know. Uh, so, and the last bit of horror news I've got is that Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert Englund story, is uh, premiering on Screenbox in July. So a documentary all about his career. Um, I mean, I love, I love a horror documentary. I, I don't know. Are you, are you the same, Tara? Yes, yeah. Especially yeah, anything yeah. that goes kind of back into like legacy actors, I would say, of horror, or like iconic yeah. actors of horror. And I would so, kind of like, I don't know if it would ever happen, but I I kind of feel like the time is, it's like a now or never moment right now to bring him back as Freddy one last time. If he was ever going to do it, I feel like this is the moment. Yeah. Or we're going to let the moment pass. Because <laughs> it's not a character you can really recast because we've already we've already had that. Uh, with a great actor as well, but it just was wrong, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it just, it just yeah. wasn't right. <laughs> um, but yeah, really interested to see this. I watched the Living with Chucky documentary on Screenbox like recently as well, um, which was which was really good. Like again, just kind of like talks about the whole franchise, like all of the big all of the big hitters involved, actors, filmmakers, um, and everything. So I was I I find of all the behind the scenes stuff, I find 
horror movies the most interesting i mean just because i love horror movies yeah but i feel like they have always have the most interesting behind the scenes stories because there's always stuff about like um not much not much budget being involved or like just some sort of like rogue rogue filmmaker or like again i watch cursed films as well or something crazy happened on set where you're just like is this film cursed I love it. Yeah, it's like there's never like a straight line with horror films, especially like the older ones as well. There's always like a a really good like it's almost like an inspirational story of you know through all the odds we we managed to make yeah. bring the vision to life, and then and then that thing ended up being coming something iconic that's just stood the test of time. Yeah, like a cult film or something. Yeah, it's it's definitely an inspiration. Um, and I think it's probably one of the only genres that kind of has those stories. Uh, so. Okay, I mean, that's all I've really got for, for horror news. I guess the next bit would be talking about what we've been watching. It doesn't have to be always horror-related, but we touched kind of like, in the last seven days, have you seen anything in particular that you've wanted to share? Yeah, uh, last night I actually watched Demons 2, which is an Italian, like... Oh, nice, yeah, yeah. Kind of zombie... I consider it a zombie film, even though it's technically Demons. Um, the yeah. first film I watched a few years ago, and I loved it. Like, the first mm. one set in, like, a cinema... And uh, it's just demons get unleashed from this mask and people are trying to escape the cinema. And I, I was supposed to watch the second one back then, but I just never got around to it. And then I heard someone this weekend mention how the sequel's set in an apartment. And I thought, ooh, that's like Evil Dead. Oh, so I was like, okay. let me see what they did with this concept in an apartment. And um, I didn't think it was that great. <laughs> I thought it took way too long to get going. Whereas the first one, I think, is just like a real fun, enjoyable film with great makeup and things like that i felt like this one like meandered on the story for like half an hour and it's only an hour and a half long mm -hmm. and nothing was really going on for the first half an hour there's a lot of characters they're introducing you to and you couldn't really figure out who the main one was supposed to be and oh, they weren't yeah, interesting yeah. characters either and then by the time the carnage started happening it was kind of a bit more entertaining but you just didn't have anything to like kind of grasp you through it and it wasn't fun enough to just stand on its own as like a mm. fun experience um so that was I've definitely seen um, the first one. I thought I'd seen the second one, but now you say it's a high-rise building. Maybe I haven't. Yeah, it's kind I of... Think I have. There's one scene in it, which is really... There's a scene involving a kid, which I do appreciate because it's rare, and it's the same with Evil Dead Rise. There's a scene where a kid turns into a demon, and they have this whole yeah. sequence with him, which is pretty cool. But then what they do with him is clearly inspired, especially... I think this film came out in the late 80s. Clearly inspired by Alien and Gremlins, what they do with him later on in the in the film which is kind of just interesting to watch i'm like okay you can definitely see the creative influence in this scene here and the makeup was all good throughout it but just overall it didn't really give that same fun factor that the first one had because i remember when i first watched the that it was a great yeah. surprise to me to watch the first one I'm like this is actually really good and i don't see people talking about this film that often mm. but um but yeah i wouldn't wouldn't really recommend the second one as much yeah <laughs> and then i watched a lot of evil dead over the past <laughs> couple of weeks really um watched all of them and uh and i think yeah. i've seen a couple of them i don't know i might they might even just in the past couple of weeks i think i watched one of them twice within the past couple of weeks as well like oh. i was really just getting into detail with you, evil dead. you've been playing some of the evil dead game as well right yeah which um i don't usually get on with those multiplayer kind of yeah horror games because i always wonder like why with all these horror ips that are making the games why they all jump into multiplayer why don't they make a single yeah. player game but this Evil Dead one actually is probably the best one I've played because you get to play as the demons and you can play as like the hero characters. Mm. But the gameplay is so different um, when you're playing as the demon. And like when you're navigating like the game as the demon, it's literally that signature Sam Raimi 
perspective and you're whizzing through like the forest yeah. and and you can like there's certain things you can do to like scare the other players and like you've got this fear meter so if you're playing to say ash and you're out in the dark for too long the fear meter will go up and like if it goes up to like maximum and you're not paying attention to it you'll get like this little jump scare thing that will pop up on the screen in front of you no and like it makes you more susceptible to the demons attacking and there's actually like a little like mission structure that you got to do with your like co-op it's actually pretty good like for a fan of evil dead i'd say it's yeah. worth playing because it actually does incorporate so much of uh the films into the game and i know with the dlc they added like mia from Evil yeah, Dead 2013, yeah, and a lot of people were requesting that for so long. And I kind of hope they've got something from Evil Dead Rise that they might add later on as well. Oh, that'd be yeah, pretty cool be if they could like put Ellie in yeah. there or something like that. I've got it. I've got it downloaded, like ready to go, because I think it was like free on PlayStation Plus, like fairly recently. Oh yeah, it was actually yeah, a couple uh, months ago. Yeah. Yeah, so I've got it downloaded, ready to go, and I'm kind of the same as you. Like, I would much prefer some sort of single player campaign, but I guess it's just because of the Dead by Daylight. Um, is so popular that all the games because is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game also like a one. multiplayer? Yeah, that's the next one that's coming. I think those guys who made that are the ones that made the Friday the 13th one, which I remember that for me was like the first of these like horror yeah. multiplayer games to come after Dead by Daylight and I remember playing that and I didn't I didn't play it for very long I think I only played like a yeah. few matches of it and I thought this is a bit, what because that yeah. was like a proper indie game, like it, it was crowdfunded I think on Kickstarter so it was very okay. wonky, but um, but the <laughs> Evil Dead one wonky. is really, <laughs> but the yeah. Evil Dead one is really good. It feels like a really polished, like proper game, like not like just a thrown together kind of fan yeah. project. I um, yeah, I just get a bit bored. Like I can only play sort of two or three matches before I go. I'm kind of done with that. It doesn't, I don't feel like like I want to continue with it. So, but I will check out the Evil Dead one. When it's a franchise you really love, it's good to just, even if the gameplay isn't great, it's good to just see those characters on screen, isn't it? And kind of be in that world for a while. Yeah, and there um, are so many references to the films within those as well. So it makes it really kind of mm. enjoyable, the Evil Dead. I will, um, I'll quickly wrap through a few things that I've seen. Um, I'll stick to just horror because it's been one of those weeks where I've been watching a lot. So I did go to the cinema to watch Renfield, which I've been looking forward to. The uh, Nicolas Cage as Dracula starring, I guess she's, I want to say horror comedy, but I really don't know if I'd say much. I'd, I'd just say comedy. <laughs> like Obviously, it's got horror, a horror character and some other things, but I feel like it's trying to be like two or three films at the same time. And none of them really worked for me. There's a really interesting sequence. Um, I don't. I was just about to say this as a spoiler. Um, I, I think it's been in trailers and, and promotional materials. But there's a sequence which kind of puts Nicolas Cage in like a 1930s Dracula movie as like a sort of um, ep not epilogue. What word am I thinking of? Epilogue's the end. Prologue. Like, prologue. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I see. That's why I've got to have somebody else in this podcast. <laughs> otherwise, I just what are words uh, <laughs> so so yeah that's that's interesting but apart from that nicholas cage wasn't on screen as much as i wanted him to be and when he wasn't i just found like i had little to no interest in what was happening it's kind of like a horror a, a comedy a buddy a buddy comedy and like a police procedural and dracula just happens to be involved as well it it never really like focuses on one thing enough um so yeah, I was a little bit disappointed. I was kind of looking forward to that. Um, so has he like I, got the lesser of the screen, a lot less screen time than you probably would have expected? Yeah, I mean Nicholas Holt is like clearly the lead, but he's not. Yeah, Nicholas. I mean when Nicholas Cage is on screen, he's great. He's having a lot of fun as Dracula. Um, 
and he's just chewing the scenery and some of the i mean some of the visual effects are okay a lot of cgi blood though you know when cgi blood kind of just i don't know it just makes everything seem a bit i don't know cheap a bit it's just a bit yeah, cheap, I know yeah. What I mean. yeah especially you got films like evil dead coming out where it's like throwing like physical palpable yeah. looking blood at, at, at you and yeah, yeah. very I mean, easy how many... to notice nowadays how many gallons? I know you said fairly recently. How many uh, for for this, it's kind of crazy because there's a lot of blood in Evil Dead Rise, but he said it's 1,700, the director. But then the remake had 50,000 in the climax yeah. alone, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, I know. It is insane. I mean, there's a particular scene where you could think about where all the blood came yeah. and went in, in, in the Evil Dead Rise. Um, so I also watched a movie called Ennis Men, directed by Mark Jenkin. I don't know if you've seen anything of this, Terrell. It's mm. like... Um, uh, a very experimental it reminded me of a field in england ben wheatley the ben wheatley film um which is it's very experimental no it's kind of no. like it's very minimalist it's very lo-fi it's very experiment it's very it's like a trip really it's like a bad trip but this is a setting like uh, like on a cornish coast so it feels there's something really familiar about it because it feels very very british but it's like it's set in the 70s and it's like 70 real 70s folk horror vibes I, a good way of explaining it is um, it feels like a proof of concept for the movie men in a way, not necessarily the, mm. not necessarily the, the, the content of it, because I wouldn't say the story is very similar at all, but just this kind of like isolation in sort of like a picturesque, what feels like country countryside environment. Um, it was just a really strange film. You know, sometimes it's difficult to, it feels, it feels like a much more, of like an atmospheric experience rather than something that's got much in the way of a plot. Uh, but I also, he's got another movie called Bait, which is set in like a Cornish town. It's about a fisherman and that's more of like a drama. But, oh yeah. So the key thing is it's all shot on, I think a 16 millimeter film where it's just all like the aspect ratio. It's like, well, one by one aspect ratio. Um, it's got loads of film grain on it. Uh, sometimes the sound feels like it's dubbed over, like the, all, like the dialogue and stuff. So it almost feels like some somebody somebody on Letterboxd described it like it feels like a seventies public information film, but like it's a horror movie slash. Obviously, Bait was like a drama film, so it's 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 a, it's very very like, intriguing, unique. like different. It's, yeah, like I like films like that where it's like a very abstract, just very different, like. Yeah, very. Yeah, the director had very like specific intentions with how yeah. to shoot it, what it was going to look like, mm. and and yeah, Ennis Men is kind of the same. So it's, it feels like a real stylistic like anomaly in a way, um, but it, it was interesting. If if anything, if I for for in terms of the story and that, maybe it didn't gr- grip me as much as like the cinematography and like the way it looked and sounded as well. It's just like fascinating, like a really really strange uh, watch. Uh, and then the last thing I'll mention is. A movie from 2012 called Would You Rather, um, directed by David Guy Levy. I don't know if he's directed much more, actually. Um, this is one of those films that I'd never, I'd heard of and never ever bothered with. Have you ever seen this before? I've never seen it. But I feel like it's one of the ones seen... I've seen on Netflix or something pop up constantly. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll watch that one day. And then I've just yeah. never got around to it. <laughs> so the, the thing that drew me to this is it stars Jeffrey Coombs uh, from Reanimator. And from beyond and and stuff like that. So okay, it I don't know how to frame it without. It's just it almost feels like it's one of those films where like let's play a game, but it's not Saul. However, it's loads of like rich people deciding to play a game with people who are a little bit down and out. And uh, but it's got loads of like people you recognize in it. So it's got 
Brittany Snow, who was in uh, X. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, it's got... I remember who else has got it's lo- loads of faces. Oh yeah, John Hurd from Home Alone, the dad from Home Alone, the original. This is quite a, like a random assortment of actors, <laughs> like it's a lo- recognizable it's a faces. Of... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, but it's just one of those, it's one of those films where I'm like, ah, if it really just did, like dug its heels in and went for it, it could be a really good film. But it's kind of like it's essentially how it sounds. Loads of people gather around a table, and a guy essentially with a gun to their head says, "Would you rather do A or B?" And it's like making those terrible choices in order to like i guess it's a bit like in like true for dare is what i'm thinking of that that's the one see i've never seen that so i feel like that's what it's similar to but because i've never seen it i've not um um yeah it wasn't hugely effective i felt like it could have gone a step further but it didn't but jeffrey coombs is great to see him in like a i guess a semi-modern film 2012 yeah. still over 10 years old but yeah um but i mean that's pretty much it for me uh, in terms of what I've been watching this week, especially like horror and horror adjacent stuff, apart from uh, apart from the thing, the film of the week, it always feels like we start talking about the film so far into the far episode. Into... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I've started putting time. I've been putting time codes in in the episodes because we have had s- several complaints about that. So you know, just look at the time codes and you can see where we start talking about the film. However, we have been talking about Evil Dead pretty much nonstop since the start of the episode as well. Um, so Evil Dead Rise is a 2023 American supernatural horror film written and directed by Lee Cronin. It's the fifth installment of the Evil Dead film series. Uh, the film stars Lily Sullivan and Alyssa Sutherland as two estranged sisters trying to survive and save their family from deadites. Um, so in terms of ratings so far, we've got 7.4 on IMDb on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got 84% critic score. 80% audience score and 3.6 on Letterboxd. I've got some choice reviews to share with you here. Um, Patrick Williams says features three different colors of puke. Thumbs up. Three stars. <laughs> uh, Diana says it's very likely that I will never use an elevator or a cheese grater again. Four stars. Um, Seth's review says unapologetic. Sorry unapologetically silly disgusting obscenely violent if you're looking for an onslaught of sadistic carnage you're in the right place three and a half stars and finally amanda x says um evil dead rise is a fantastic addition to the beloved franchise lee cronin perfectly captures everything we love about the series and adds his own touches that expand expand on what is known as the evil dead universe four and a half stars so a nice cross section there of of what everybody seems to think uh about it but the fact that like critic scores are super high fans of the franchise seem to be really happy as well like i mean how many times does a new installment of a franchise come out and it is just such <laughs> a disappointment never happens is it like everyone happens. yeah that's that the thing rare <laughs> like when you think about like scream that seems to be like one way or another people are either loving it or just like well it's not the people aren't sort of giving it the praise that they're giving things like evil dead Evil Dead Rise. Um, and yeah, when you said just now about demons being like a, a zombie film, like I think in a way a lot of people do assume that Evil Dead Rise and Evil Dead is is great, is like a zombie film. Oh, it's another zombie film. Or another possession film like something from the country and universe. People have no idea that it's so, so different to that. It's, I feel like people a... are only just starting to realise. I find it really interesting, the reception of this film, because it's like 
Mm. For the type of film that it is, usually this isn't the type of film to get the max reviews, positive reviews and reactions, and to even like tap into like general audiences in a way, like, and to draw their interest. And I find it interesting that now, because like, even with the 2013 mm. one, it didn't really do that. So like I find it interesting that now horror's got to that place where outsiders are like I think horror's become horror's always been a successful genre, but I think it's become so like consistent with the success because if i think back to like even when the remake came out 10 years ago there wasn't really that many memorable horror films around it that i can remember that came out that were like good maybe the conjuring because that came out in the same year but aside from that it whereas now with horror like there's like a consistent string of like at least good to great horror films that are kind of coming out and you kind of get like a almost like a little streak of releases that come out which i think maybe builds up the general audiences to like when they see one and they see another and they kind of like them, like, oh, actually, these films are pretty good. And then they're kind of like more interested to see the next thing, whatever it is. And maybe mm. it's something they wouldn't have watched before, but they're more intrigued about it. And maybe like Evil Dead's been caught up in that now. And now general audiences yeah. are seeing it a bit more. Definitely. It's cr- it is crazy to think that we haven't had an Evil Dead film for like 10 years. That is insane. Yeah. Like when, when, it, when Evil Dead um, celebrated its 10th, anniversary recently i was like surely not yeah <laughs> surely not like that's kind of crazy to think doesn't feel right um so yeah i do like the thought of bruce campbell sort of saying we're gonna have them every couple of years but yeah when you say about um general film goers and that my mum even texts me about evil dead rice so she hasn't <laughs> seen she hasn't seen it and she's a horror fan she does like horror films but uh not not maybe not as much as me um but yeah she even texts me saying are you going to see evil dead rice this weekend and i said yes and she just wrote my worst nightmare <laughs> <laughs> um, but i so said i said you got you need to go and watch evil dead 2013 because if you can make it through that this will be i don't want to say don't want to say any an easy ride but if you can an make it easier that, one yeah <laughs> maybe slightly easier yeah um now you did mention the oh wait, wait, i'll talk about the cast a second sorry uh so lily sullivan plays beth who is our lead hero character i guess you would say and she she's the pro, she's the protagonist um Alyssa sutherland plays ellie in what has got to be a career defining role for her um and then we've got some younger actors uh morgan davis plays danny gabrielle eccles plays bridget nell fisher plays cassie um, and there is like i mean it's quite a small cast isn't it there's a bit more of a, a sort of supporting a few cast extras, play. yeah some neighbors i was glad to see neighbors because this was the thing again from the trailer i was like there's got to be other people in this building we've got to see uh, <laughs> we've got to see and there's got to be um fodder as well isn't there there's got to be there's got to be deadite yes. fodder i was going to ask you this question because this was something that that i when i what did you think when you first heard that Evil Dead Rise was going to be like so. The, the concept was Evil Dead in a so on your podcast, Mind of the Escapist, you mentioned that it's the first uh, like urban setting for yep. for the for the um, franchise as well. The fact that everything else happens in a cabin in the woods, and this is suddenly becoming you know in an urban setting in a high rise building where there's loads of people. Like I just wonder what your opinion what what you kind of thought the film was going to be initially because in my head I was like okay so dread but with deadites. That's initially what <laughs> That's I an thought. interesting thing, actually. Yeah, I didn't think of <laughs> That's that initially way. what I thought. I thought it was just going to be... And then when I saw the trailer, I was like, okay, so it looks like it's a bit more um, small scale and res- and sort of, yeah, like that. I just, did you have any idea of what this kind of I'm film was going to be? I'm too sure. Or? I can't remember. Like, Because it's interesting because I did watch Demons 2 yesterday. That's more like the dread 
kind of angle of it where I do think okay. one thing that, that Demon's film does is it really kind of like you're seeing multiple people across this whole apartment block, all types of different people that are all caught in the situation and carnage is happening on multiple floors and you, you feel like you're experiencing it throughout the whole apartment block. Whereas in this one, it is kind of that contained story. And I think I was kind of more... I think I was more just shocked. Like, oh, there's a new Evil Dead film coming out when I first heard about it. And then I think, I thought, oh, that's just interesting that they're pulling it away into a mm. different setting. But I don't know if I really knew what to expect from it. Um, mm. And I remember they announced it. I don't know if they announced it for HBO Max when they... Because they did have plans oh, yeah. to put it that's on there point, initially. It, yeah. So I think when I heard that, I kind of like pulled my expectations down a bit because of oh, this... It's like a, because it's almost like a straight to streaming yeah, film. Yeah, like, no, what, I know what like is this gonna have the real essence of yeah. Evil Dead, or is it something that they're just throwing out to put on the platform? Um, I liked the um, the like dual meaning of what like Rise could be because obviously Rise usually gets tagged tacked on to like a film title when it's like the beginning or like a, a like a prequel to something. It's the Rise, you know, like Rise of the Planet of the Apes, for example. Yeah. Um, but also, like, I had this dual meaning where I was like, okay, so maybe it's a prologue. Maybe it's like the origins of the Necronomicon. Um, but also, it's in a high-rise building, you know, something yeah. like that. I don't know. I, that was kind of like the initial thoughts that I had. But yeah, when you say about it being contained, I think one of the things that worked the most for me in this film was the fact that it isolates this family. And on the surface, you're like, well, that's kind of impossible, isn't it? Like, if they're in a high-rise building, how on earth are they going to be isolated? Isolated in the same way that the cabin would be isolated when roads get ripped away and there's like a flood that literally you can't drive you can't drive yeah. away <laughs> but it isolates you and i love that and there's something so effective about that because it's scary because it's almost like okay i should be safe a in my home and i should be safe in a, a built-up urban environment with loads of people and this is where i should be safe from supernatural things right but it's the place i'm not safe at all and i thought they just did a really good job of isolating them Something I really appreciated in the the first time I appreciated it, but then I really was paying attention to it the second time, is in very small amount of screen time. I like how they depict LA in this film because it's really like it desolate and dark and kind of grimy. It doesn't feel like LA at all when you see like the exterior shots of the streets, like the very brief shots. Say when you first get introduced. Uh, to I forgot her name. Not Ellie, the sister, the other sister, the main like uh, Beth. Uh, Beth, yeah. And she leaves uh the building when she comes out of the toilet. She leaves the building and she's walking across the street, and it's just very dark and very moody. And then even when you get to the apartment block, it almost from the inside and the outside, it almost looks abandoned. It looks like an abandoned building almost. Like the way that is yeah, shot and the definitely. lighting of it all, it just looks very desolate and dark and dim and. I, I, it makes it feel like a character and it also there's a shot that yeah. I really like because it's like an off-axis shot looking up at the apartment block and it looks like the Tower of Terror or something like a ride <laughs> yeah, it like does. it just looks like some no, freak does. kind of building that has this I always tilt my head at that shot that <laughs> shot when it was in the trailer I always tilt my head and find myself like yeah. looking at it like that but yeah <laughs> but I, I, I agree I agree with you there when you say it feels like abandoned because I was getting like escape from new york vibes where I was yeah like... definitely it's got that type of dystopian kind of feel to it and like i remember there's that scene where she's um yelling out the window at someone like a someone with the trolley like at the bottom like trying to get yes. help and it's pouring with rain and it's like that's like the only person that's you so see good. in la in the whole film outside i think <laughs> like that and it's like that remind that reminds me of did you play silent hill 4 the room no i never played that one 
So right, the reason it the reason it reminded me of this. Sorry, I'm gonna be. I don't mean, <laughs> I'm almost like gushing because it reminded me of so. It reminded me of so much like games and films that I just love. It reminded me of Aliens. It reminded me of, and I'll and I'll explain why when I get to it. It reminded me of Silent Hill Four: The Room, which is one of my favorite Silent Hill games. So you basically get trapped in the character you play as in Silent Hill Four: The Room. You get trapped in an apartment, and it's almost like you get trapped in a supernatural way because you're just like shouting from the window how can nobody hear me you know people are walking past the door and you're banging on the door and you're looking for the people but no one can see you you physically can't get out like that's it's almost like you're a bat and i almost got that feeling because it's like it doesn't ex- it, it doesn't necessarily say that but i almost felt that they were trapped there vice via what they were trapped there via supernatural means in terms of the lift and the phone lines and everything else like that sure but the fact that they there's literally someone on the ground and they're shouting and the rain is so heavy it's that just it's like, so heavy it's like demonic rain almost like the, it's somehow yeah. like the supernatural spirit's kind of taken over that it feels like where it's like it's, it's contributing to all the elements of like keeping them stuck in this situation and like yeah. having to face the terror and that's and that's scary you know and i again you have fun with these films but i like it when certain little details like that do make you feel like genuinely like oh god that'd be horrible to be in that horrible situation to be in and going back to what you said about the title i think i caught onto like the high rise element of evil dead rise and like the the most obvious part of the title i don't think really registered with me until the title card (laughs) and then when you see the title card and evil dead is literally rising out of the water i was just like wow like that that really like set it for me and that title card for me i've been thinking about it for days and like for me the title card and that i'm trying to think like that's got to be one of the best it sounds like hyperbole to say it but it's got to be one of the best title cards i think i've ever seen because and it's yeah. it's, it's and i've there, always appreciated title cards because and i feel like it's like a kind of like a lost art in filmmaking where mm. you can really use a title card to convey a very specific feeling or emotion about the experience you're about to provide and the film as a filmmaker, like I feel like if I was a director, I would very, I would be very um, hyper focused on that title card and when I'm going to introduce the title and how and yeah. what the purpose of how I'm doing that and what you're supposed to feel when you're mm. seeing it. And I feel like this film is such a great example of that, like dialed up to a eleven, where this you've just had this crazy opening sequence, and then it's like. You, you can't ignore yeah. the title of this film at all when you're watching that screen. The What's music the swells called? up, <laughs> and it's like the way that shot. Like I, I, I think again. Like it's one of those things where, like, as a fan of Evil Dead, if I was to be put in the director's chair, I'd find it very daunting because I'm like, how would I put my spin on this franchise? And it's like, as great as that title card is, I would have never thought of doing something like that. <laughs> but it's yeah. incredible, like, and just oh, the yeah. way the way even the title reflects in the water is just really cool like you see the reflection of the title in the water as she rises i honestly didn't even notice that yeah and it's just and the way the whole screen like because the title's so big it like the whole palette almost turns red and like there's like almost like a reflection of red on the whole frame just from that title alone so it's like as the body rises up it goes from this background (laughs) to, to like red going over the whole water and the sky and yeah, yeah, and that yeah. just blew me away. And in the premiere oh, crowd, good. people were just like cheering, and you felt everyone kind of think, "Whoa!" Like when when that title came up, and 
I thought that was yeah. just a perfect way to do I it. Because I think big text in title cards is definitely something that's in at the moment. Um, but I think, yeah, my favorite type of title card, and I agree, is probably the most effective one I can think of in recent memory. But when it sort of arrives, the first thing I like is when a title card arrives, like, I don't know, 20 minutes in. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah. I love that. I love that. What's that? Is that called something? I don't even know. I don't is that even cool? know. But there's a film I watched recently, actually. I watched, uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong now. I think it's Suzume. It's the new anime film that's just come out oh, okay. um, from the director who made Your Name. And they did a similar thing where they have this like, really engrossing opening sequence. And the film's just going on, going on. There's a lot going on. And I, I want to say it was probably at least 15 minutes into the film. And then the title card came. I was like, whoa. It kind of made me think... Oh yeah, that was yeah. just the the beginning. Like, and now we're getting started, and it's yeah. it's really effective. Like placing it like later than you expect because some films don't have one. So like you just yeah. kind of you're not always looking for it. But then when it mm, kind of comes out point. of nowhere, it suddenly does come. Well, sometimes of... it's right at the start of the end credits, isn't it? Like yeah, I think I think John Wick Chapter Four had that, didn't it? Where it was like right at the end of the yeah. of the film, like start of the credits. But yeah, the delayed credit. I think my favorite is. My favorite example is The Departed because I don't think it comes up until Leonardo DiCaprio's like in prison. Yeah, so I think there's like loads, loads that happens before this, and then suddenly that uh, Dropkick Murphy song "Shipping Out to Boston" plays, and then The Departed. It's just so impactful because you just go, "Oh, we're starting now, are we?" Yeah, yeah it's like it's like all oh, what you just seen here is just the setup. It's like, oh, this is just you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, but yeah, I agree with you when I'm like, because sometimes I see title cards in films and i go oh is that the title card the font yeah. on the, po- the font on the poster is so much better than like the actual title card title card and in the film so many times i'm disappointed by them but this was one where i just went that's that's good isn't it that's good and you know it's something special when everyone online is talking about this title i don't think i've ever even seen that happen really like everyone online unanimously like this title card is incredible <laughs> like and yeah you know you you almost sometimes think as a film fan it's like do people really pay attention to these things as much as I do? Mm. Like, and then when a title card like that comes on, it's like, yes, they definitely do. Cause everyone's <laughs> yeah, talking yeah. about it. <laughs> Cause sometimes like horror movie title cards are kind of like they'll happen in the quiet moments. Like here's the film, this is the title of it. And that, and now, now's the opening scene that, that is like going to be so effective. And the title card yeah. is almost like, almost like forgotten. But yeah, when you say it's forgotten, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. How did you feel? So uh, one of the things I definitely wanted to ask you about was there is a spin on that classic Sam Raimi Evil Dead <laughs> POV scene. Now, I don't know how you feel about this, but I thought I was like, that's really quite uh, quite ingenious, like the what they did with it. Yeah, I thought the same. And I got a big laugh at the premiere as well, like because it, it's yeah. such a great way to start the film and you're like, oh, we're straight in it. Something's going on right now. And it's like, <laughs> nope, <laughs> it's a modern film and like, the, the little drone. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that well, was that, really smart. That almost Play reminded me of like, expectations. Some... Yeah, definitely. And it reminded me of like something, I don't know, like Jordan Peele would do. Like he seems to go, right, here's your what your expectation of this horror trope is. And now I'm going to present it in a complete different way and just, yeah, it just really effective. So, yeah, it, I guess if you haven't seen the film, I recommend going to see the film. But if you are listening to this um, and there are spoilers, this we are going to spoil the whole film. But <laughs> the, the POV is just a drone, uh, which, again, like I just think is great just because it just really it is great for the setting, but also for the characters that it establishes initially. Um, so these aren't characters that we're going to be spending the entirety of the film with. 
Um, so this is Teresa, Caleb, and Jessica. They're vacationing at like a lakeside cabin. And this was from the trailer. Where I was like, how is this lake stuff gonna gonna link back to uh, the the stuff in the high rise building? But it's, it's just done really well there because all throughout I was like, how is this gonna link back to that? How is this gonna link yeah. back to that? Um, so essentially, it's Teresa and Caleb are kind of like I think Jessica's sick and she's in the cabin again, a cabin which is like a perfect triangle shape which is the which is so in right now we're talking about things being in right now triangle shapes midsummer uh oh god hansel and gretel i think is one hansel and gretel's got like a triangular house uh classic horror story oh yeah 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 that one yeah that's got like a sort of triangle house uh things like i really like about that shot though is it's warped and i don't know like i don't know if how much of that was like in the camera view or how much of that is like post effects where it's like when you look at the house that's in the center of the frame and everything on the outside like the cars they're kind of like bent up a bit so it's like there's like a circular i don't even know what you'd call it but it's like there's a circular like lens that's focusing on the house in the middle but then yeah that's kind of like what it is and then the outer edge is a bit out of focus but it's also warped where everything looks like it's bending outward a bit it's just it just creates this sense of unease like straight away you're looking at you like this isn't how it should look so it's like straight away you're like something's up <laughs> like something's even wrong. in like the mi- even in the middle of a day in like yeah. a lovely summer's day like i'm not going in there yeah um, I-, I just kept thinking how much is that place on airbnb because it looks because <laughs> it looks amazing um so yeah so the the guy who's like a the boyfriend of jessica um i, I think it's jessica isn't it yeah yeah that's right so jessica's the one floating on above the water so Teresa and caleb are like kind of just passing time while Jessica's ill in the cabin. Um, Teresa just wants to read her book. She's reading. Oh, this, this is enough. This is I'm just now I'm thinking about it. This whole this Wuthering Heights, isn't it? This whole yeah. link to to Wuthering Heights and what it does in this was also great. Uh, so Caleb's flying a drone around uh, and Teresa just goes, I'm going to go and check on Jessica. Um, and she's like asleep in the cabin and she sits down and, uh, Jessica is like mumbling in her sleep, it sounds like, but I don't think it's anything too scary because she's like, well, just let her rest. She's not not well. We're just made to think that she's ill at this moment. Um, but yeah, she starts sort of sp- starts talking, but then she starts reading out the exact passage that Teresa is reading from the book, which I thought was great because that's just super, super effective, isn't it? And, and we don't yeah. actually see Jessica. We only see her from behind. Yeah, I thought it was, um, it's weird because I, I don't even feel like I caught, I don't feel so wrapped up in the moment the first time I watched the film. I didn't even think I caught that that's what was really going on until the second time I watched yeah. the film. I was like, oh, she's literally reading, because they have that quick shot of where you see the page and the words on the page. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, she's reading it directly off. And obviously you've got the kind of voice in your, uh, I always find it interesting looking at it from the perspective of, because uh, the second time I watched the film, I watched it with a friend who's not as familiar with Evil Dead. Like I just introduced her to the 2013 one, like the week before, mm. and I find it interesting to look at the the certain elements of the film through the eyes of someone who's less familiar with the franchise. And it's like, what what would they think in this scene? Do they think she's just sick? Do they think you know she's yeah. when she's reading out the pages of the book? What are they thinking at this particular point? As someone that's not familiar, like fans like us, we know. Yeah, she's she's gone. <laughs> like, oh, but that's um, a shame. I find it interesting, and I think the the suspense that was built up in that little scene, and the voice work and the sound design was really good for her, like reading out the dialogue and just how yeah. impactful that felt. Yeah, definitely. It was it was it was definitely effective. 
And uh, but yeah, you're you're right. So I think in most scenarios like that, you kind of think, okay, we've seen stuff like this in like haunting movies, haven't we? You know, where somebody's doing c- committing an act or doing something which is totally impossible, essentially. Like you talk about things like The Exorcist, like that's where some stuff like this kind of i mean i'm sure it didn't originate with that but that's where a lot of it was made popular where they're just certain things are happening where you're just like oh god better get yeah. a priest involved <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah so she falls off the bed and this was this was a scene from the trailer as well um and this was pretty pretty effective so i guess we're supposed to believe she's something's happened along the way where she's ended up getting a uh, possessed and she's become a deadite but how does this sort of plan out? Because I know she grabs her by the hair, Teresa, and but just Teresa. Oh, Teresa just leans in to see if she's okay, and then yeah, I can't remember. If she says something to her. I can't remember oh, what yeah. it was she says to her. Um, I, I remember now. <laughs> I remember now. So she calls uh, Caleb like a meat puppet. She calls him like a brainless meat puppet because obviously she's not getting on well with him because they they don't know each other. They're just forced into the scenario, and then Jessica says, "Who's the meat puppet now?" Something like that. Something along yeah. those lines. And then a classic scalping, which is always effective in any film. Isn't it? <laughs> it's just so... What I found, because I saw that clip in one of the trailers. And I remember, in yeah. fact, one of the trailers they did, they did a trailer for April Fool's. I don't know if you saw it. Where it was set at the cabin. It was made to look all nice. like Almost like an advert for an Airbnb type of thing. And then it hard cuts to like that moment. with that. And I was in the gym watching that clip, I remember. And like my jaw actually <laughs> dropped. Because it was like, what? what it just came out of nowhere. But... That moment happened in the film so quick that I didn't even have enough time to register, oh, this is that moment that I saw from the trailer. So it was one of those things where, like, going back to when we were talking about the trailers, like, I'm glad it worked out that way because I didn't even see it coming, even though I'd actually Mm -hmm. seen it before. I still didn't see it coming in that exact moment because it's so quick how she kind of leans in and then you just see her wrap her hands around her hair and then just yank it and and just that moments like that, I'm just like... How hard must she have pulled that, pulled that to, like, to just literally... rip off? And, and in the next shot, you just see the, the hair just drop down on the the, the little pier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she walks out. So, and then, uh, so yeah. yeah, so she, she so uh, Teresa goes out to like Caleb, who's still like uh, playing about with his drone. Um, and she's obviously just like in pain and, and sort of terrified, collapses. Uh, but then Jessica sort of like follows follows after her. Um, and this is another thing I love, you know, like when someone is clearly a dead eye, <laughs> people's reaction, which is just like, oh my God, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> which I guess, of course, you would say that. You would say that, but Jesus. Um, and that's when Jessica grabs the drone. And I was like, what the hell is she going to do with that? Um, but deadites seem to be into into self-mutilation as well. Yeah. And she just, uh, she just, uh, what, what did she do? She kind of just like, she grabs it, I think, and almost like ricochets into the into the water. It's almost like the. It's kind of weird. It's like she just bounces off of it almost. Like she yeah. kind of clips it, and it just throws her into the water. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and then, and uh, then Caleb like immediately jumps in after her, and this is good because like this is like uh, I don't know, a Jules moment. Jules. Yeah. <laughs> Jules, yeah. Or like if we're in a lake, what what could we say? Lake Placid. <laughs> yeah. But like a deadite in the water, like sort of dragging him down and then sort of like blood and stuff. And we're kind of like seeing it from Teresa's point of view as well. And that is when we get the, the, the moment of rising. And there's something like almost something like Jesus Christ, like about the, it is. Like, and I think and the the rise. And of course it's yeah. 
it shot so well as well. I think like like that shot itself, like it just looks so beautiful, just the actual scenery around it. And then when you just get your head poke out, and then it's just like it, it, it makes me think it's one of those things where when I see it, I'm like, how has that not been done before? Like in like even in Evil Dead, like you haven't had a moment like that that I can remember where you literally see them like kind of rise up Christ like like yeah, that. And I can't even really think of that many demonic films in general that have shot it like that because it's almost like a a baptism because <laughs> just coming out of the water and like and then like you said just with the music and the, the sound design of that and then the title coming up behind it and then i was like oh yeah evil dead rise <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like of course yeah, that's what she's doing that's what she's doing but yeah there's something great about that because in in like a lot of films about possession and that the demons and the, and the uh, are sort of always mocking christianity in a way Again, back to the Exorcist, where the where Pazuzu's constantly mocking, you know, men of the cloth and and like and and Christianity is is and even something as simple as that, the the Deadites they love to talk trash, but you know nothing. They don't even need to say a word when they're rising up out of the water like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm gl- I'm glad that we get the card, and that's it. I I wouldn't yeah. have liked to have seen anything else. I think in that moment, um, yeah, it cuts off at the perfect time that scene just to be like. Yeah, and I, it's such I mentioned... an impactful title card. Yeah, and I mentioned before, like the the sound design, the the soundtrack as well. In those moments, the fact that it kind of happens and there's this big swell of like the of the music as well, which is just so so effective. Um, okay, and then it cuts off, and then we're, oh, this this is interesting because it says one day earlier, so you know for a fact that this is going to somehow link to this scenario, but then it feels so far removed from this where you're just like so f- I'm, i was just fascinated through the whole film just thinking how are they going to link it to to this opening scene um yeah so we're introduced to guitar technician beth definitely guitar technician and remember that <laughs> say, not the groupie <laughs> <laughs> not, not the groupie but that's true though isn't it like th- right, this is a pr- this is a completely different um story this is a completely different take on it but how many people who work in like the arts music uh you know anything it could be film criticism or something like that. Family members definitely don't take certain professions seriously. Seriously, yeah. It's like, no, like, this is an actual thing we get hired to do. Like, people yeah. need to be there to do this. <laughs> and and maybe like, it's nah. like, maybe it's like a generational thing. But the amount of times, like, oh, yeah, I am doing this, and it's just like, you doing what? What are you going on tour with bands and just like, what are you doing to their guitars? Yeah, you must be a groupie. <laughs> It doesn't feel like her sister's from like a completely different generation. It feels like they're kind of close. Yeah, age, like she should like... have an understanding of like you know. This, but this is not only that, thing. she's told the neighbor. Yeah. Group, so. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, I don't. I might just be talking about myself, but I've definitely been in those scenarios before where like I don't know uh, a family member or maybe a friend of the family will just seem to know something about my life. I'm like. Mom, why, why have you? Yeah, where'd that? you get that information from? Yeah, <laughs> where have you got that information from? Again, again, it feels real. It feels really realistic for like a family, but also like an estranged family, essentially. Like Beth is clearly on good terms with her sister, but she doesn't seem like she's ever present in her life. And obviously, we get confirmation of that when when more things unfold. Um, but yeah, so she does. Well, she does a pregnancy test, doesn't she? And again. Don't need to know what the don't need to know what the result is because we can see it in her eyes. Yeah, <laughs> we know exactly what's going on there. Um, so she does she like immediately leave and go straight to? Yeah, because I think someone like someone's calling her back out. So she's in the toilet. Yeah. Someone's calling for her back out, and she says, "Oh, I need to wait." But then I think it then just cuts to her leaving. She um, leaves. Yeah. So 
yeah, exactly. She needs to be with her family. I guess this is one of those things where she obviously feels scared and unsure about this, and it feels like she's going to have to make a big decision. So she needs her sister there to to help with that. Um, and yeah, then we're introduced to the family in the high rise building. We get that shot you obviously mentioned before. Is that now that shot with the rain? Is it? Is just I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is like the establishing shot of the of the building. Yeah, yeah, and like a very modern, like progressive family, right? So we've got uh, a mum. It turns out to be a single mum, but at this moment, Beth doesn't realize that mum who's like a seamstress slash tattooist. Oh yeah, tattoo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And then we've got uh, Bridget, who's like, uh, she likes going to protests and that. She seems like very up to speed on social injustice and everything like that. Um, Cassie, who seems like a very, the, the youngest daughter, who seems like a very, um, how could you describe her? Uh, I guess artistic in a way. She's creating sort of like her own, she reminds me of Sid from Toy Story, creating yeah. loads of yeah. <laughs> like a, like a doll. toys, the... yeah. Stephanie. Toys. <laughs> Stephanie. Oh, yeah. Um and then Danny, who's like a D like DJ, D- yeah. What, or DJ slash I believe so, like a DJ and like very some sort into of the musician, music. yeah. Yeah. I've got a pretty good setup going on, right? So for uh, I feel like the neighbours would be absolutely raging. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Beth arrives and is sort of like reunited with everybody and we get some nice establishing family moments to kind of the dynamic between the family members. Um, but also we find out that um, the dad, I don't know if he's named, actually. I think he is named. don't um, think he is, yeah. Yeah, so Alyssa Sutherland, so Ellie's husband slash partner, actually, I don't know if they're married, um, has left. And Beth's like, why didn't you call me? Why didn't you try and get in touch? I would have tried to help you through this. And she's like, I did actually more than once. And then Beth goes and listens back to her voicemail. I mean, I'm definitely guilty of this. Yeah, <laughs> rarely What's answer that? my phone. What's that? You, you you left me a voicemail. What I'm what I'm supposed to listen to that? <laughs> See how many seconds it is. Thirty seconds. Even though now it's easier than ever to listen to them as well. <laughs> it's just like never look. I think if I was to look at my phone now, I probably got someone there now that I just didn't even ever notice. But yeah, there you go. You better do it just in case. Uh... But what <laughs> I like about that just... scene, <laughs> yeah. What I like about that scene is uh, it establishes quite, and I, this is things I kind of really picked up on the second time more focusing on it is it kind of establishes very easily uh, that she Ellie can't depend on her because she's you know off touring doing whatever and not really paying attention but then multiple times Beth makes it clear that she needs Ellie for that kind of reassurance and support because she's she always knows the right way to do things I think she says something along the lines of that like you, you always know the right you know, way to do things or the right solution for my problems, um, which is why she's there in the first place, I believe, is because she, you know, found out she's pregnant, she doesn't know what to do, come to her sister for that kind of guidance. But then straight away, you're kind of shown that it's a one-sided kind of balance in that regard mm. in this relationship pretty, with the sisters. It's really realistic though, isn't it? Because you find that a lot, don't you, with like friendships or, or sometimes with like family members and stuff. Sometimes that reliance is really like a one-way street. Like one sometimes... sided thing. And it's like depicted in a way that's not too over the top as well, which is what I like. It's very nuanced because it's like they don't hate each yeah. other. And like very yeah. quickly after their little bicker, they do like kind of make up and joke about it. But it's and that makes it feel more real because it is that type of thing where it's like you don't resent the person for it, but you recognize it. Like you recognize, you know, that there's a bit of an imbalance here. Um, but you will still like, help the person if they need the help. Yeah, it seems like a very like healthy household, really. In a way, it seems like everyone's sort of um, 
expected to express themselves like in in any way that they want like artistically or in or in other in other ways um and it feels like everybody talks to each other it doesn't feel like you know a lot of the time in films like this there's a lot of unresolved issues that tend to come out as things develop yeah. and sure there are a few there's a few little bits and you know as soon as someone's as soon as someone's become a deadite, you know they're going to say some nasty <laughs> shit. You know they're going to say some nasty shit. I'm like, some oh no. Lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in a way, but like, yeah, I really enjoyed the the sort of, as you said, nuance of this and the reveal of the Necronomicon as well. Because again, I was like, how is this gonna, like, how is this gonna come into it? I was like, they've gone out for pizza. Are they gonna like come back with it from the from the pizza, yeah. <laughs> from the pizza place? Like, I don't understand. Um. But yeah, that this was really interesting because there is something kind of like extra supernatural about it as well. Like the fact that it's an earthquake that sort of like rattles the building, splits open the the parking garage, and uh, makes a massive hole in it, which has got a. They dropped the pizza as well. I was pretty angry about that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's well, that no, line I... the little girl says later on she's like oh she dropped the pizza <laughs> I don't know about you but when she opened the pizza box I was like ah, that's fine yeah yeah there's only a couple that's... flipped upside down it's like you can still recover that <laughs> that's fine and I imagine like pizza that size in LA they're gonna cost they're gonna cost an arm and a leg I'm not letting them go in any sense yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah there's like a hole that opens up and I think that it's, it's mentioned earlier that this used to be a bank this building yeah so um, but again, I'm really fascinated about this stuff. Like, I'd love to see some sort of like prequel to this scenario. And I mean, I'm not the greatest fan of prequels. I think they can work, but it's fascinating. Isn't it like again, it doesn't make you feel like you need to see a prequel, but it makes you kind of cur- curious about yeah, how the Necronomicon think about came. It. Yeah, how did... I mean, I know we get a little bit of it because there are recordings and there's photos and there's texts and stuff, but the fact that it's just there. And it's just, and it's we just never get a time period with those. So the, the priests and the the audio recordings. Is there a time? They, yeah. So I think on one of the recordings they say, "Oh, it's the year of our Lord, nineteen twenty something." So it's quite far because even then it's like, okay, so that happened then, and they got those recordings then. But how did all of this end up in this bank? It's like did kind you, of like. Did you also notice that they said one of three volumes of the Book of the Dead? Oh and yeah, that... so what uh, the director said actually. Okay, okay, you've got, so he... you've got some information. It's there's three separate in the franchise. I think the original films have one. Uh, what did he say? Then 2013, he's counting as a separate one, mm-hmm. and then this is the third book, I believe. Um, or I think he said, getting a bit confused now because I'm, I'm sure he said Army of Darkness is is. No, but that must okay. be the same one from the original three. So yeah, the original three remake and this one, three separate books. This, this... But he, I believe he did say they, yeah, they all exist in this world. So it's the same yeah. world, three different books. And it's, that's just really interesting in itself. Like <laughs> just to think about, it's like, oh, suddenly then it goes back to that, what you were saying about Sam Raimi kind of creating that kind of guideline for the franchise. Yeah. It's like, okay, we've got three books in this world. So what are the, di- what are the like key differences of these books mm. really and obviously with this one it, this book reminded me of the one uh is it prisoner of azkaban where he's fighting that book <laughs> harry potter that's under the bed and it's got the teeth oh, right. <laughs> it reminded me of that because okay. this one's got like teeth on the end of it yeah yeah it's got like teeth i mean this one i think the most gnarly one is the 2013 one i just feel like everything in that one is is horrific this one feels like 
Yeah, this one's pretty nasty as well, you know. The fact that, you know, it's bound in human flesh and written in blood, I think anything about that is uh, pretty nuts. But there's a couple of bits about the incantation, the fact that the words get spoke aloud, that, that I really liked how this film dealt with that. Because one of the things I always think is like, just stop. Don't say it yeah. all. Or make it, or if there's a recording, just stop it if you feel unsure. And this one, the character tries to stop that, like, happening and physically can't, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, just like a really interesting way of doing it. But, um, but yeah, so, so sorry. So Danny jumps into the hole. Um, f- there's loads of stuff in there. There's like religious artifacts. Um, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that, that, was a, that was a pretty good scare, to be honest. That it was. was a bit like, yeah. Jesus just uh, trying to headbutt you. Uh, <laughs> um, and then obviously there's loads of crucifixes like hanging up and and the fact that it's like recorded on vinyl as well. I'm like, what are these priests got access to? Yeah. Like, <laughs> vinyl, dist- vinyl like processing thing. Cause it's quite a complicated process. Uh, but uh, so yeah, and there's like two two recordings of, I don't think it says what it is initially, does it? It's kind of just got dates on it. or, or Yeah, or just, I think it just says literally one and then two, just the order in which to play them. I think it's got on, written on them. Yeah. Um, and then there's like a photo of like some some but not but not much else there's a few like documents as well but danny just like yeah takes the takes the book um up to his room and does he pretty much just like immediately immediately play it i mean i think what is happening everybody else is just going about their business like um cassie like has a bath she mentions that she's she's scared of water because she had a bad experience with a jellyfish one time and then beth makes a joke of it i'm like that's a bit harsh. Yeah, <laughs> you almost feel guilty, <laughs> guilty when that moment happens. Like you, you're kind of playing with a traumatized, tra- like a child's trauma, yeah. and you're, you're making a joke out of it. <laughs> something, something about this film, like I just found that the lighting in this, like just in this apartment, just it felt so. It was even that was creepy, you know. Like I just thought, someone stick a light on. It's everything's so, like yeah, so dim. like yeah, dim and dim and like kind of almost grimy and kind of like just yeah, you know, you like very get, unsettling. If you go in someone's house and they've got like one tiny little lamp on, you're just like, let's put a big light on. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> Can't see what I'm doing. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of all happening. And Danny just starts, uh, well, got to he's got to spin the actual record in order to make it play a, a, a decent, I don't exactly know why that is. I guess does his, does his like system just not, work correctly for it or was it just it like really old or something i don't know potentially because it's old i guess but, i'm not too sure but it's, it's quite nice that he's because it's like the actual act of it is almost like you're physically participating in this happening and when it does get a bit spooky um and the incantation has been read aloud and it does sound creepy um because initially i was like is the priest doing that voice can't they do it in a nicer voice like yeah, yeah. <laughs> really trying to scare <laughs> It's got sound effects in the joke. 1920s that they're putting onto it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a reverb and everything coming on. Uh, but yeah, the fact that Danny tries to physically stop, like take the actual needle off the off the record, can't do it. Um, like actually turn off the power supply, can't do it. Like things are sparking. And so again, we know that there's something supernatural that is, is making this kind of happen. Um, and you get the... Uh, I, uh, there's something about that. Show. It must be one of my favourite filmmaking techniques in cinema but just that's when that sam raimi signature shot outside of the apartment starts happening and you see the camera raise up as it starts floating through the oh yeah because that's it because ellie's already left isn't she's got her washing up and she's going 
yeah down in the elevator and then we get the shot of the coming through the streets and it's only like three shots it's really quick so it's like a brief shot of it moving it cuts back to danny you're seeing it the and i love the sound design in that scene when the incantation is being read out it's it's just very impactful like you really feel it you almost feel like it rumbling through you as it's being read and then it kind of cuts back and forth to that shot as it's kind of coming up yeah that's when it it's it's ellie when she comes up the lift yeah so it just flies directly do you feel like it would have just got whoever it saw first i think so yeah i think it's just looking for a host almost and kind of or well yeah or it could have known that you know somehow that that was the same household (laughs) that that the incantation is coming from and it's like direct yeah so uh so pretty much just like smashes oh wait oh yeah i was about to say she just gets knocked out and then she wakes up but that does happen and then she just gets and this was very reminiscent i guess of evil dead 2013 where obviously instead of the vines and the the thorny sort of form bush or whatever it is um, this was like literal wires coming out of the of the um, like electrical wires coming out from the the elevator and just grabbing each each limb. I kind of liked the fact that she was almost like kind of fighting back in a way, and almost was yeah. like it wasn't like she, she had was... her agency a bit, and she was still trying yeah. to go up against it. And I just like that concept of visually of just taking because I didn't even. It's one of those things where watching the film, I didn't really think that they were even going to try and translate that aspect of it, of like the tree and like the way the demon kind of enters the host and then mm. doing it with the wires and the, I thought it was a really smart way of just re- replicating that imagery in an urban setting of having yeah. it like twisted up by the wires of the lift. And I thought that was really yeah, cool. Definitely. Again, another thing I didn't expect from it, but it's just those little subtle nods. I mean, you might not even consider them that subtle, but, they're there and they do sort of make you think the fact that it sort of like makes you think of the 2013 version as well as the older films as well. Yeah. I think is, is really good. Um, So yeah. And it basically just grabs each one of her limbs and like breaks all of her bones. Is that pretty much? Yeah. The one arm, I'm sure one arm gets bent right round and she's like properly bent around (laughs) with one arm. Jesus. Um, Yeah. So then there's a power i think the power goes goes in the building around about this time as well doesn't it um pretty much oh, oh yeah, yeah so pretty much the... as soon as she's yeah sorry go on then no i was gonna say yeah i think that's when everything starts to go really bad then because the earthquake's already happened hasn't it so the staircase is already gone now the lift is starting to become a bit messed up um and then is this oh you get that really creepy shot when she comes up to the the door and the daughter starts to notice her in the doorway, and she stood. Yeah. But she's like stood, but her hips are like bent to the side of it. Yeah. So and you know. she's just walking in the house, and it's all very weird and like yeah. it's almost like the beginning of all the fun. And the it's film one, really it's starting one, to go. One of those shots again where you're kind of like, is someone stood there? Like initially, yeah. a bit like a bit <laughs> like that shot in Hereditary when she's in the corner of the room, where you're like, you don't really notice it straight away. You're kind of looking at one thing, looking at another thing, and then you go, oh shit. Oh yeah, yeah. I see. So it's like yeah. <laughs> and I just really found it really well effective the way she changed direction as well. So she like starts coming towards them and then she just goes straight into the kitchen like that. It oh was, yeah, uh... and then then you get that scene which one thing I forgot to even mention in my review actually is the use of like split diopter shots throughout oh, this film. Oh my god, yes. Oh, I thought there was like when they released so, I think so the first good. promo image they released was this yeah. scene where they're in the kitchen and I thought mm. that was just going to be the one. And there's actually loads throughout the whole film where they mm. use it. But I thought it was really effective in this one because it's like 
it really allows you to capture the reaction of the family and the expression mm-hmm. of her face as she's saying what she's saying. And we- one thing I really love about how this film handles the Deadites is you get like this, and I noticed it more on the second viewing, a constant like back and forth like battle for her body <laughs> because mm. she's talking as the deadite in that moment and then there's like brief moments where she comes back and she's like protect the kids or yeah. something like that and it's like a back and forth there's like not a like a it's almost like an unsuccessful first attempt at a possession where then yeah. the deadite's trying to fight for that complete control over her and you get those little moments and i because... thought the acting throughout that was really good yeah because usually in, in evil dead they they let the, the they use that as a manipulation tactic, don't they, to manipulate the person they're trying to kill or possess? Where they go, oh no, help me, don't hurt me, yeah. or something like that. <laughs> whereas, whereas this time it was almost like the actual person was allowed very briefly to just communicate as as they were, um, and there are a few like attempts at manipulation, of, you know, still. Um, but yeah, the split. Um, what was it again? Diopter. Is that split diopter? I believe it's that's called right, split yeah, diopter. Right. Yeah. When we when we did the trailer reaction, we couldn't remember what it was called. I don't understand why that's not used all the time in all films because it's so it's so good. It's like so effective, um, and yeah, the, the the multiple uses of it were really good. Uh, I hope you like eggs because that is exactly <laughs> what as is that like, we're talking we're talking a rocky scenario here where <laughs> how many eggs can you consume? Uh, again, this was a scene from the trailer, but um, it was good to kind of see it play out as well. Um, so Ellie just comes in and starts cracks on the the frying pan and just starts slamming multiple eggs into the into there. And I don't know. I find this was kind of super creepy, wasn't it? Because the way everyone kind of just comes into the kitchen, just like what the hell's going on? Yeah, and it's almost like the deadite trying to mimic human behavior, like in a really just very jarring way, where it's just very like stiff and just slamming eggs down yeah. slamming eggs down <laughs> and talking and i thought it was really be... effective and, and like i said that split doctor shot i think really just made it much it took what could have been a very basic scene and almost made it kind of like feel i don't want to say iconic's the wrong word but like just very engrossing in a way where it's very memorable like it like if that was just shot in a very basic traditional way i don't think it would have had mm. the same impact but when you're like and it's the laugh she does in that scene as well was really creepy. She has a really creepy laugh when she's talking. And it's like, it reminded me of the laugh that Lupita Nyong'o did in uh, Us. Because yeah. it felt like it was causing quite a strain on her voice as she was doing it. But uh, I really I really like that. And and like, there's something about Alyssa Sutherland's look that just really sort of, I don't know. Like, obviously, she's clearly a very attractive woman. However, it's very easy for her to suddenly just become this kind of like genuine, like, I think it's just maybe the the smile, maybe her smile, something yeah, about that. Yeah, I think that. she's, she's her facial big features. Eye. I think she, she's like her jaw and like, I think she's got like a very model, I think she used to be a model, but she's got a very model-like face with like chiseled jaws. Things like, yeah, and so stuff, when yeah. you put that makeup on and then she does those smiles or those kind of things, you, it really like brings out those features even more, mm. but it, it really suits. I'm even looking at the image behind you and like the smile on the face and the way it does that to the cheeks. And it really does have that kind of demonic look. Yeah. And obviously we see, we see plenty of like people possessed in movies and that, but I think when somebody really embodies it, the fact that she's got a lot to, there's a lot of characterization she gets to do with this as well. And I've seen her post some behind the scenes images as well. 
Um, and it seems like she had like a great time. Um, and that's something I really liked about her performance. Is like it was a very physical one, and like she physically like she contorts her body a lot. And it's even in that scene actually, because actually no, it's not in that scene. It's in the scene after. But like mm. she like moves her body around a lot in some very weird ways. Yeah, that kind of just very unsettling. But like it's very impressive from an acting standpoint to see that she could mm. kind of do that with her body to kind of convey kind of that struggle between like the real version of Ellie and yeah, I guess like in these over. early, in these early stages, like that, that battle is really, is really sort of clear. Um, not just in the, in the way she sort of vocalizes it, but also like, yeah, her physical, physical acting as well. And I mean, I don't know about you. I'm a bit, I've got a bit of a weak stomach when it comes to vomit more so than anything else. So, <laughs> so this scene, this scene in particular was one where I was probably the first scene in the film where I was like, oh God, no. It's like, here we go. <laughs> I just thought that's going to take so much to clean up. And that's all I kept yeah. thinking. It was just like, oh my God, that's going to take like rolls and rolls of, <laughs> rolls and rolls of kitchen roll. It reminded me of, <laughs> do you remember? Adam Sandler and Big Daddy, whenever there was oh, yeah. any sort of spillage, he was like, just put newspaper on it. <laughs> yeah. Just put newspaper on that. Just put newspaper on that. And uh, yeah. I just kept thinking, that's going to take a whole lot of newspaper. And the second time I was watching it, I was thinking, I was like, is this like almost a representation? Like, once again, the demon like really fighting hard to take over. And it's like literally turning your insides inside out, yeah. emptying your whole stomach because it's like just trying to just get inside your soul like it's, like it's just it's just it's such a violation of someone to like try and yeah. take over them and then to just empty them out like that <laughs> like in such a disgusting what, way <laughs> like, I, what could i have represented could that have been like the, the dead eye, like vomiting up like the last of her sort of humanity or maybe almost, like the other way yeah around? or maybe the other way uh, around where because i think after that scene because after that scene is when she's then in the bath i believe or no how does she yeah, I think it does move yeah, they... pretty quickly. So I think we w what we get here initially is like her, her body contorts and everything like that. And then she just starts attacking people, I think, in this initial stage before the bath. Is that right? Does she, no, I does think she... that comes after. So because that's what I like about this before... film. Oh, yeah, because there's, there's all that going on, isn't there? Yeah, that I think that happens pretty quick. No, so I think she's vomits. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, she that collapses. is it. Because, yeah, they think I think, yeah, they think she's dead from that point. So then, like, she's on the bed. You then meet the neighbours, I think. No, well, you actually yeah. met the neighbours before when the earthquake happened and they're looking for the kids. Yeah, but, yeah um, right. So there's, You like, get that funny um... shot where she's led on the bed with her eyes open and they close her eyes because they think she's dead and the eyes just pop back open again. <laughs> I'd just give up. I'd give, I wouldn't try again. I'd just give up yeah. at that point. I'd be like, looks like she wants her eyes open. So, yeah, in terms of the... So what I like about this is there's a lot of um, little hints to what's coming before. Now... As as a horror connoisseur, which I think you've referred to yourself on Twitter, yeah, well. uh, I'm sure you, I'm sure you definitely noticed these bits. But scissors being slid under the table, I was like, well, they're going to come back. Uh, the neighbor saying he's got a shotgun. Well, yeah, yeah we know that's going to come out in a second or, or a little bit later. So yeah, we're introduced as like a neighbor with, with a shotgun, and they're like a cat in the the neighbor's cat is always up in the, in the in vent, the, and the that's vent something and I actually stuff, really yeah. appreciate about watching the second time is how well. The director set up all of those things like mm. within the first 20 minutes of the film you've like and as a horror fan you do know like you see everything you're like right so that's there this is here yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a vent there there's this he like just literally introduces all the things he's about to play around with early yeah. on and then like 
It's just like wonder really, how that's going to come back really into well, play. Like setting the scene, and I'm so glad that they all came back into it because plenty of times you come out of a film and you go, ah, oh, they kind of set up that with this, but it never paid off. But the fact yeah. is that everything kind of like pays off and has its payoff. Um, and the other neighbors, so there's like two kids who are they related to the to the guy? Who, I believe so. I think that's the, his sons. I think. Yeah. So there's I like say a, it's his sons or something like that. But I think they're from the same household. Yeah. So they clearly um, they want to hang out with this Bridget, isn't it? Um, oh yeah, the daughter. Yeah. They seem like they're being nice. They said, "Do you want to come and watch? It? We're going to watch all the Freddy films, uh, including the <laughs> including the bad ones." And he says, <laughs> and "He says there are no, no bad ones." <laughs> I was kind of impressed. I'm like, "That's a lot of films to commit to watching in like one in one one, in one go one night." Um, but Bridget's not into it. Uh, I like the fact that we get the scene where she looks out of the little peephole and see, sees his like frustrated reaction. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Just which a kind of showed me character. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Um, and I think that's it for like the neighbors. And that's really. also like a little subtle setup for then how they use that later on as well, which I thought was pretty cool because once again, oh, yeah, like, like the scissors, like a little introduction. There's a peephole here, and uh... <laughs> yeah, it's just like establishing the like everything that's that's around, setting the scene, establishing all the key working components of that scene and knowing that they'll all come into play. It almost feels like a like theatre in a way, doesn't it? Like a sort of stage show where you just like you know where everything is and where everyone's marker is. The fact that it yeah. just takes place in one sort of small sort of place as well. Um so yeah, and then obviously after Ellie dies is when that character I'm not sure what any of the names are. How does she get back into are. the bath? I can't remember like was there something that she... Because she gets up. I remember she gets up when... Yeah. Because Beth is talking to her and she's saying, basically kind of explaining to her, you know, I always come to you for the answers and now yeah. you're not here. And then she gets up and then the kids come back in and, oh, she's alive. And I think it then just cuts to her being in the bath, maybe. Like I they... think they take her to the bath because she's burning up, I think they say. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So I think uh, we may be getting this a little bit wrong and I, I don't think that's... That's not any anything bad about the film it's just a lot happens in in such it a moves, small moves quick once the film starts yeah starts it just moving gets, it just doesn't stop yeah <laughs> so so she sort of sits up obviously beth says to her i can't believe i'm never going to speak to you again they they do that little prayer initially don't they um, oh yeah which which is again a nice little character moment especially for the older neighbor who i kind of thought maybe was not going to be into it but he's like yeah hold your hand let's get involved yeah. <laughs> let's do this let's do this prayer um yeah, and then obviously the fly lines on her eye, and then that's when she blinks. Like another moment from the trailer, um, and she just sits up, and everyone's confused. Obviously, Beth's just like, "Oh my god, she's just sat up," and all the kids run in, like, "Oh my god, she's alive!" Um, and I think this is possibly where, so, she just starts attacking people, and I think that it leads on to the bath scene. But you know, it, it may have not happened in that in that uh, order. In that order. But yeah, so what I liked she's... about the bath scene was because I can't remember the, how it starts, but like, I like the fact that when they put her in the bath, it's so clear that it's almost like because do they put her? I think they put her in freezing cold water. I think that's what they say. Yeah, well, and it's well, so clear think... that like this demon from hell is not supposed to be in a cold, you know, yeah. cold water, and it like rejects it straight away. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's when it then screams and then jumps like up cat. to the ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> like a cat, <laughs> and then. Not that I've tried to put cat a cat in a bath, but like if, if the legs going all over the yeah, place, yeah, they'll like, do every single thing to try and not touch that water. water. But yeah, and, and then the fact that, that the water like like starts boiling. Yeah, that's what I liked about because that's what kind of conveyed it for me was 
seeing the water start to sizzle. It's like you just put this thing from hell in water and it's not liking it and it's and it jumps up and screams and then that's when it drops back into it. I, I think I love how that whole sequence plays out actually because yeah, she screams and that's that really like ear piercing scream. Yeah. And then just drops like planks really and drops lasts, straight back into the water. <laughs> the scream lasts for a long time as well, you know. Yeah. Like, they cover, cover their ears and I was a bit like, oh, Jesus. And it's it still going, drops into the water. Effective. And then that's when I feel like that's the moment where it's like, the on your marks, get set, go. And the film starts then, like properly gets going. Because then mm. I love the shot of like the hands coming out of the bath and you see the face come up. And I think watching it the second time, like that was the moment where I really felt they've been going back and forth trying to fight for this body and it's like now the deadites won like this is the moment yeah, where yeah, the deadites yeah. won and this is the deadite now and then you see i love that shot of just her eye the makeup work is so good mm. like her eyes and the smile and she's kind of peeks up out of the bath and i can't remember what she says but then it's like very menacing then because what well, like, she says oh, she's gone she says mummies with the maggots now oh yeah which is yeah i think which is a great line already. <laughs> so I think she's got she's got two great lines. I think, well, she's got plenty of great lines, but that was one of the best ones. I know we again. I think we saw that in the promotional material. Yeah, but she does have another line a little bit later, which when she <laughs> refers to the kids as oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think this is where she like essentially attacks and just starts coming at people. And this is one thing I kind of liked about the 2013 evil dead is that when everyone was possessed by the deadite, they all acted in a very different way. So there's not like one specific way for a deadite to act. Like some of them are uber violent. Like if you remember the, I can't remember the, the, the one who chops her arm off with the Turkey. Oh yeah. Turkey. yeah. She's like very silent. She doesn't really say anything. She's yeah. She's just... really creepy actually. Yeah. Cause she's just yeah. very demented looking and then just with the nail gun or whatever, just firing away. Yeah. And just not actually saying anything. Like she yeah. looks like properly p- possessed in that film because it's like there's Definitely. just like sh- hollow, <laughs> hollow on the like, inside. Yeah. So the demon, the, the deadites, just have almost have their own sort of personality, or maybe they take on something from the personality of the person they're possessing. It's not like they are just strictly one one thing, you know. Um, yeah. And some of them like to just immediately kill. Some of them like to, as we mentioned already, shit talk. Uh, and some of them like to just sort of almost like play games in a way, isn't it? Like yeah. something very like sadistic about it, like that. But um, so yeah. But this is the thing because it's their mum. They're obviously very unwilling to 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 fight her. Essentially, they don't want to fight her. They're kind of like just stop. Don't ha- don't hurt us. Um, and as, and she stabs. This the fact that Beth gets like a knife through the hand like straight away. Straight away, it's like yeah, straight straight into it. It's like. That's almost like a third act type of thing you'd expect to happen with your main character. Whereas I know yeah. straight away, blade through the hand, we're getting going. <laughs> like you, we're starting usually now. when something happens like that, you're like, okay, so now our, our protagonist is um injured beyond like they're not gonna be alright, yeah. man. They're gonna be screwed. But the fact that she gets that from the start is is pretty insane. But again, maybe this this is a nod to to Ash as well, because I don't know if it's the same hand, but obviously he loses his hand in his hand, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it probably was like a subtle, subtle nod in some yeah. way. Uh, and then Ellie also like tattoo. She get, grabs a like tattoo gun, and she like shoves it into her into her like head first, doesn't she? Like into her temple. Oh, but before that is when we get the okay. line actually. Okay, because I, I can't remember what the daughter says, but then she says, "I've forgotten the line already now." Of 
<laughs> All I remember is the the titty sucking parasite, <laughs> and that got a huge laugh at the at the premiere. Oh my god! And it's like great. you almost like you know there's gonna be th- that type of there has to be a comedic line somewhere in an Evil Dead film from a deadite. Yeah, because it's like for me, growing up watching those films, I know the Exorcist did it as well. But for me, Evil Dead was the one which kind of popularize the demons talking shit <laughs> like yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. saying outlandish things <laughs> just saying like... like the most horrible demented <laughs> stuff and like the stuff that's really gonna hurt like the people they're attack attacking yeah it's like <laughs> yeah i'm not sure cut to the bone with words like she says about <laughs> killing killing them so she can be free of the t- oh dead. that's it she says i'm i'm free now and then yeah, I'm that's free right. from you. <laughs> so you suck in parasites. And then well. jumps on her daughter, yeah, with the tattoo needle right by the eye. Yeah. One so interesting thing was... actually I recognised in this film, which I, originally I thought was a little disappointing, and then I kind of don't really care about it anymore, is a lot of the violent moments in the film seem like they were inspired by 2013. Because that needle moment reminds yeah. me of the needle that literally goes into the guy's like eye in the bathroom yeah. scene with his girlfriend. And there's a couple other scenes later on, which I can't remember now, which like for me felt like a reference to 2013. Um, yeah. I think it doesn't, it never goes as far as 2013, does it? It kind of, yeah. it almost like hints that it's going to go as far as that, but I don't know whether it's because of the, the age of the people involved or the fact that this is a family, that there's a bit of restraint. Whereas the 2013 one was just like, look, we're just going straight to it. And, and that guy, the guy who gets a syringe in the eye, after watching it again recently, I'm like, he goes he goes through it in that film. He gets Oh yeah, he, yeah, he gets like by the end of it, he's he's like <laughs> like you just want to die in that situation. You're like, you know what, yeah. put me on my misery. <laughs> Let me just go. <laughs> ev- ev- I think everything happens. So he gets like the needle in the eye and he gets like stabbed repeatedly by that needle. He gets like shot with a nail, a gun, nail gun multiple <laughs> times. He gets hit. He gets hit over the head with that like um uh crowbar yeah over and over oh yeah the cl- cl- crowbar rips his hand in half as well i think as well yeah. and his hands like split and <laughs> and i'm like and it was one of those where i'm like oh well well he's dead and then i think he's sat up like oh bloody hell. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and then right at the end he comes back later on to save the main guy before then he yeah. gets killed for good and yeah. yeah he gets put through it <laughs> he gets there always seems to be a character like that who does get put through it where you're just like oh come on give this guy a break <laughs> uh, and I guess like you, I, mean, I don't know if you really get that in this film as such because I think they're um, all more likable they're more like yeah I think because I, I think it's probably because they're younger as well that they kind of don't yeah because even like the you would think one of the neighbours would be that type of character but even the neighbours are they're not uh, portrayed as bad people so you're not looking to see them die in any way so there yeah. isn't really that one person that you're like you want to see them Mm, you want to get the you worst. Wanna, you want to see him suffer. Yeah, you don't. But again, because of this family dynamic, and the fact is, like most of the time when you watch these films, you're kind of like along for the ride, and you want the carnage to 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 keep dialing up, keep dialing up. Whereas this, you're I was constantly just like, oh no, who's going to survive? And the fact that they've got Cassie as well, who has got like got to be the youngest character in the Evil Dead history, right? There's no. There and I thought she li- was really good, the actress. I thought like. She yeah. did a really good job. And I, it must be a credit to the direction as well, because I felt like this, especially like this type of film, is so crazy. And obviously there's certain elements of it they must not have shown her or made her aware of, but they still managed to 
direct her in a way and she was still able to perform in a way where it it she almost had a grasp on the tone in a way yeah. where it's like i don't know how you get someone that young to really understand what's going on around them especially yeah. when they're clearly not seeing everything to right, be able to okay. perform the way she did yeah no oh, i agree right, right now get into this elevator it's going to slowly fill up with blood uh yeah. and now t t turn on this like that that thing at the end to just basically kill your family uh, yeah, yeah very brutal really stuff for a, in fact the funny story actually the premiere uh when the director was speaking at the end he said uh that her parents were in the crowd watching it um oh, wow. this was the first oh, okay. time they were seeing the film and he said when he said they visited the set of about three times and he said when when they came to visit their daughter was clean <laughs> like and then on, his, oh, on right. the other days it covered in blood <laughs> but it's quite interesting just the thought of oh yeah, yeah you yeah. know watching the film right now and the parents are seeing their daughter for the first time in yeah. this film and it's like what's what that is... like as an experience to see your daughter like in a film like this yeah i mean as i mentioned before like it did remind me of aliens in a way and the the relationship between beth and um cassie reminded me of that in a way because it's like it's almost like uh it is like a mother, a mother figure, but like an adopted mother figure, isn't it? Like the, the the situation they're in has caused Beth to suddenly make that step up. Like, sure, she's probably never thought about being a mother before, but she's just become pregnant. So it's probably starting to become a real, like a realistic thing for her. And suddenly she's in this situation where this girl, this this Cassie, who's five, possibly five, five or six, I, yeah. I reckon age wise, is like in her she's like her, her, her sole carer essentially um and it did remind me it reminded me of aliens in a way because it was like this kid is in this situation but i don't feel like she's she she's like completely absolved of the danger like i think at any yeah. moment in aliens you think newt could just die and obviously if obviously you've seen the film before you know that she doesn't um not until the start of alien free but you know, <laughs> you know that like she, she gets she's in the water and the xenomorph comes up behind her she when they're in the room with the face hugger you think it's a very it's very likely that this character could die in this scenario and i felt like this with this film i was like i i feel the peril i feel the the sort of danger that this character is in and i almost like sympathize with beth in this way that she's been thrust into this first experience of motherhood literally fighting for not just her life but also um cassie's life yeah and i thought that was like the really effective part of it that stood out because kids rarely get put in that position in horror films like just mm. any sort of position of peril they usually just don't do it it's almost like that taboo thing that just doesn't you don't harm children in films or put them in dangerous situations whereas this film really went for it in that way where you kind of just and even for the other ones because they're still pretty young like mm. the, the actors themselves are probably like the other two actors were probably like adult age, maybe like 17, 18. Yeah. But the characters, I think, were portrayed younger. So A even to see younger, the other yeah. two like in those situations, it was quite intense. And I think that's what helped raise the intensity is because of how young they were. And it was oh, quite yeah, different to see that situation. So even like with the tattoo needle by the eye, it's, it's like this is quite serious. One thing I didn't understand about that, though, is she obviously then puts it to the side of her face. Uh, to the side of the daughter's face and like draw something on her face but how did like she become infected from that because she effectively becomes infected from the needle i mean it's a weird one isn't it it's almost like is the act of the deadites committing violence on some because i i've always felt this of evil dead the rules of someone becoming a deadite don't seem to be like 
specific to, to yeah something. they're not clear cut are they it's not it's, it's not, not like it's, a it's not like a bite it's not like um there's obviously some vomiting of blood in there i always just feel like everyone could get possessed at any time <laughs> no matter what yeah. and may, maybe perhaps the act of, of a deadite committing violence on somebody else in in a way has opened her up to be possessed because but yeah, again, it almost makes them susceptible to it. Almost like almost like weakens the spirit or something like that. Yeah, to then allow... because, because Beth has obviously been on the receiving end of violence from Ellie as well, but she's not got possessed, which is why I worry about these films. I just worry that at any moment, you know, you think everyone's all right, and then suddenly the main character is going to turn around and be possessed. Obviously, possessed, which we yeah. get, which, which we get with Ash in in a uh, two. Yeah, yeah. Where he's <laughs> yeah. He has quite a few shots in those earlier ones where you literally. I remember in the. I think in the first one, there's one of the women. There's that shot where she's talking, and it's quite normal. And then the yeah. voice starts going pretty weird, and all of a sudden she just turns around and looks at the camera, and it's just all, all dead eye. <laughs> so good. It's so good. It's effective. Um, but yeah, but I like the fact that they kind of lean into like the old yellow eyes thing of the deadites and slightly differently here. Um with like sort of like orangey hue eyes and i guess that confirms yeah. that people are possessed because we get that with the neighbors as well like a little bit later um so yeah so i think what happens is they somehow get her that... out of the house but i can't remember how or out yeah, of the so apartment I... so it's uh i'm just trying to remember exactly what happens here oh yeah we also get a cheese grater scenario coming up oh no wait that's when that's when bridget is possessed sorry forget that uh so after she attacks the family, they they manage to lock her out of the apartment somehow. I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember how. how? Oh, does she... I... I can't remember. Um, yeah. But yeah, she's outside of there. And then that's when you get that great scene with the peephole, which I thought was yeah. such an effective way of doing it because it's like... I like the, the restrained nature of through this one perspective. I just like it when films do that. I find it very creative where you get mm. this restrained perspective and we're going to have all this stuff going on. And you get like a, a good mix of being able to see what she's doing. And then you have to imagine what she's doing when she's out of the view. And like, yeah. I think you get the shot of the kid getting like thrown into yeah. the wall. Uh, you, you get the guy come out with a shotgun and then she walks off screen and you hear stuff going on. And mm. I thought that was all really well handled. Yeah, because she gets shot off screen, doesn't she, Ellie? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit later, I was like, oh, she's got like all blood down, down like her. One side. Her... Yeah, and that was obviously from the shotgun. But initially, I was a bit like, ah, oh, I kind of wanted all the neighbors to kind of last a bit longer, or maybe like get taken one by one. I thought they're all getting killed. But but by the time this like pays off, I was like really impressed. The fact that they had to a little bit later um, go through that that corridor where of all dead bodies around, where you know that like at any moment, some of them or all of Everyone's them are going to turn. Everyone's going to turn. Yeah. Um, and I think it's within that same scene because I can't remember at what point it cuts but then you do get the moment where I don't know if this is much later on or if it is in the same moment we're talking about now where she then bites the eye out of the neighbour. She oh, bites yeah. his eye and rips it off and it spits is, uh... it out into the kid's mouth which is a very <laughs> evil dead crazy stupid <laughs> moment yeah. and he like chokes to death on the eyeball and then that's when she like kills them all. Like, yeah. But you, you do get that up uh, yeah, at that one point, you do get that perspective shift out of the peephole to then see the action yeah. unfold properly. Yeah, um, but I can't remember what precise. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if it starts off out of there and then they get back into the into the um, apartment and and shut the door and then they look through. Um, but yeah, essentially, we see everybody everybody getting killed. Um, 
But then Ellie starts to turn on her her manipulation tactics in order to get back into the apartment. Um, it never works out well, does it? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm not I think I'm not sure what the others are doing because it's just Cassie who. Basically I think is this is when the two other children are then because then this is when we see the other deadite, which I think the way they shot the other one once she becomes possessed was really good because she's obviously sat up on the countertop with her head just like looking up to the side and <laughs> yeah. it already straight away is like very odd because it's like it almost looks like her neck's broken yeah and what then she's there and then this is the other part actually that reminded me of evil dead 2013 because she's chewing on glass and you get the reveal mm. and that reminds me yeah. of when the girl's hacking at her face yeah. with the glass and turns around it was a similar um, sort of angle to that wouldn't it yeah, yeah and the, the, the way the, the head turns and reveals is very similar but then you get that shot of the glass in her throat and she like swallows oh, yeah. it and you see it poke out the neck <laughs> i think again i think that shot's in the trailer but you don't necessarily know what it is you can yeah the context see, of it yeah see some something poking out of the neck i think and around I thought... about now danny sorry um i was just gonna say danny also is explaining to to beth exactly how this has happened and what he thinks and he's like sort of showing her the the recordings of everything as well um and he's like think... starting to take on the on on the guilt as well like saying this is actually my fault because it came from this and uh and i think at that point then ellie's in the vents yeah ellie's in the vents and i think they sort of say what well, could be the cat is it ellie yeah. up there no actually i think ellie gets up in the vents after she tries to get in via um cassie oh yeah because they stop her from getting in don't they yeah so they yeah. stop from getting in she goes up in the vents then this is when the other deadite is having that scene which of course is then like the cheese grater scene um which yeah. Uh, honestly, it's, weird, it's really like... difficult to work out the actual <laughs> the actual order of things because yeah, like, there's so, so much... much has happened in all the yeah. time. But like, it's weird. The che- I don't know if this is just me, but the cheese grater thing, I feel like that's something that I've always wondered. <laughs> like, imagine <laughs> if, like, imagine if, like, because you probably, thoughts. I think it's where you've probably, I've probably at some point caught my hand on it in a weird way and kind of oh, yeah. removed some skin. And then you think, what if it was the whole thing <laughs> and then this film gives you the answer of what it would be like on the back of your calf <laughs> it's, your, uh, it's, it's your intrusive faults you know uh yeah. sometimes we're doing the cheat doing the cheese and you're getting right down to the end of it you're like there's hardly anything left i can't keep going yeah, i can't keep going yeah, it's gonna get my it, fingertips fingers and, yeah, take, and then it's like you take it too this far. film just provides the answer to what would what that would look like on human skin it's oh, quite uh yeah very so, sudden it's so sudden <laughs> it is so sudden yeah so obviously with um bridget getting possessed she gets all this black liquid like coming out of her mouth and nose um and then we kind of leave her alone for a while and yeah when when they come back she's up on the countertop eating glass um and yeah has a has a tussle with with beth which involves the cheese grater uh (laughs) which involves the cheese grater on the on the back of the calf as well which is pretty horrific uh and then when bridget goes to attack danny and cassie as well um obviously we get a scene just before where Cassie's like, I'm scared that we're going to die. And Danny's like, I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. Uh, Stephanie will protect us. <laughs> that sort of thing. Little... <laughs> Stephanie's an absolute, uh, absolute health hazard, like a massive horrible spike on the end <laughs> at this stage. Um, does she fight before that scene? Does the, uh, does Danny fight the deadite before then, or is it after then? I get confused with the timeline again because there's a moment yeah. where they're fighting and she stabs him through the hand. Yeah, so I think that happens. The... So they after. they kill they kill Bridget at this point. 
um, with the staff. Oh yeah, Stephanie, course, yeah. Stephanie through the mouth, and obviously we get a great sequence of um, Bridget pulling the staff out of her head and then mouth. That's pretty brutal. Um, and then she dies, and they tie her up um, and wrap her <laughs> up, wrap her up in a <laughs> wrap her up in the bed, uh, which is very like. I was thinking Michael Myers in Halloween, you know, when he, yeah, when he, that was almost he, like a throwback to that, actually, yeah, yeah. Um, so they tie her up, little... <laughs> little holes in there, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they they tie her up, and I think this, I think in terms of the order of things, this is when Danny informs Beth about um the Book of the Dead, and she listens to the phonograph recordings. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I've got headphones on. <laughs> and I know I know other people are in the house. I can't fully relax because I'm thinking someone's gonna sneak up on me here. Yeah. I could I could not fully listen with headphones on to this recording if I knew deadites were knocking about. I'd just yeah, be like, like, in this situation you just one wouldn't ear, you at least one ear for the awareness of what's going on around you. You wouldn't put both yeah. on. <laughs> like she's like any... I'm so, I'm so, <laughs> so drawn in. <laughs> um, and then that's when the kids walk out into the kitchen, isn't it? And then you see the the deadite with the bedding or whatever on, on just I, walking behind them. <laughs> I think this might this might happen. Does it happen sort of like pretty much right off the back of the other, or maybe at the same time where um, Ellie comes through the vent? Yeah, uh, very hereditary again, style. Very hereditary <laughs> that reminded me of hereditary. Style, yeah. Like it's the the layout of that shot and the way she comes in in the corner. Like yeah, I, I, straight away in my mind went straight to hereditary when I saw. So that. it was very much like hereditary, and then also the way that. Um, Beth sees the reflection of Ellie in in the window was very much like Halloween kills. Halloween kills right at the end when um the sister, uh the main character's sister, is oh, yeah. uh, sorry daughter not sister daughter right at the end is in the Myers house and then he's behind her and then right at the end she sees his reflection the reflection um, in the window again it just it just I feel like it just reminds me so much of classic horror but also like the new school as well yeah it seems like to a just good really blend. and also it's elements where you don't even really know if the director was intentionally doing it <laughs> like it, it, in a way it's like did is that a reference or is that just coincidence but either way it works both ways like <laughs> well maybe is it a reference but you know sometimes if somebody's so well versed in like modern horror or, or like classic horror as well these things will just come out naturally, natural influences isn't it yeah. yeah how you're influenced naturally by things uh, the really weird thing about that scene that like, I find is she grabs the vinyl after, doesn't she, Ellie? And like, it's kind of really bizarre and creepy because she grabs the vinyl. I can't remember what she does with it, but her mouth just opens really wide mm. as if her mouth is like projecting what's being said on the vinyl. Yeah. And it yeah. like freezes for a bit. And then <laughs> it's just really bizarre. Like, so it's she so puts bizarre her that finger it's on it. Yeah. So she's got some sort of like amplified system <laughs> in her body. Yeah. That is exactly the same as. Now I've only seen this because someone tweeted it, but it did remind me of this. Lilo and Stitch. The yes, yeah, <laughs> did see that tweet? Yeah, it is. It's, it's that. It's the demonic exactly version what... of Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's basically that, that image yeah. of her with her mouth like a gape is just really creepy because it's like that's bizarre. Yeah, like <laughs> but it, it, it works. It's almost like this analog audio stuff that we've we, we have in Evil Dead. Obviously, we've had tapes, um, and now and now vinyl. I just think it's like really. There is something about it, it's like from all all this technology from I want to say a bygone era. Obviously, vinyl's popular now as well, but I don't know. It just leans nicely into into the the sort kind of, of horror, creepiness horror of history. you know, like yeah, yeah like yeah, getting history meant, yeah. in the in within that world kind of detail through vinyl. Very creepy. Mm. Yeah. Um. 
so that there's I think there's like two fights kind of happening together at the same at the time, time here. yeah yeah and so what I like about the other deadite that's fighting the Danny is the shot there's a shot where he's like pinned against the counter mm. and I, is she floating I want to say she's like floating because she she looks like a mm. goat like a your typical kind of bed sheet over the body looking ghost yeah. because she's like floating and her arms are stretched like around him and she's got the bed sheet thing on and it's like hanging down and it, the, just the imagery I liked really like a lot because it was very different mm. but it just it seems dead, like kind of lurking a stab in the arm there like the bicep I don't, you almost see the about... muscle I'm pretty sure in that shot you almost see because it is like right between the muscle and it just yeah. made me like you almost queeze because you feel like oh that's right between yeah, the actual that. muscle in the thing and like I can't imagine any, anywhere is a nice place to get stabbed but of all the places that for some right reason there. that feels that feels pretty <laughs> horrific um yeah and so she sta- and then she stabs him in the chest as well didn't he and yeah. I feel, oh wait danny he does light her on fire first um or kind of like afterwards after he's been stabbed actually um because when he collapses he speaks to cassie doesn't he he yeah can't remember exactly what he says, but this is the thing. Anytime anyone dies now, I'm just like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> you, got you got you got a du- you got a double tap. But that's the thing. It does kind of have it is possession, but it does have like sort of like zombie rules as well, doesn't it? It's kind of like even yeah, it's though you like get the blend of the two, isn't die, it? Yeah. Yeah, you die once, reanimate. You are you are going to reanimate. <laughs> yeah. Um. So when Cassie, uh, sorry, when Beth and Ellie are fighting after she comes down from the vent, um. And she does the, the the vinyl trick as well. This is when we get the payoff for the scissors moment as well, um, where she's getting pinned to the ground by Ellie, and then Cassie uh, shout shouts her and slides the scissors across. And initially, I was like, I don't understand what's happened there, but I think she stabs her in the nose. Yeah, through the nose. I thought it was up through the mouth initially. Yeah, like up to the I roof thought. of the mouth. But then she yeah she pulls it out of her nose. So it's like right up the nose, <laughs> in like yeah. into the brain or. <laughs> And uh, just the way and she's just there, like frozen, just like with the blood pouring out and the scissors just stuck up there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when he's all, all these everyday household items just take on this new, um, new meaning just by the way that they're <laughs> that they're being that they're being used used in extreme situations. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah. So basically, just straight up now is that they decide to escape. We didn't even mention this, but the stairs. The reason they can't leave is a because the elevator is obviously in a state of disrepair and after a, a, a earthquake not that this would stop you if there were possessed corpses about but you're not supposed to use the <laughs> you're not supposed to use the elevator a lift sorry in in these circumstances but also yeah the the stairs just you, they go to go down the stairwell and they're just completely gone from like two floors down so you can't really jump because that's pretty dangerous as well but again that that is very reminiscent of the um, road being destroyed in Evil Dead, and also the in Evil Dead 2013, where there's just a flood and stops them leaving. So again, like you're supernaturally, you've been trapped in this place. Um, yeah, and while they're trying to, so basically they're trying to get into this abandoned apartment so that they can get to the fire escape. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Um, and and this uh, is where... that's the scene where yeah, so they're in the corridor. And that's where you got all the dead bodies of the neighbors, and then Ellie's. Oh, this is where they have a confrontation because with the shotgun. Because so Beth's got the shotgun. Ellie comes out, and I think she goes to shoot her, but then 
one of the neighbors comes alive and grabs her and it, it makes her shot go a bit off and she blows off Ellie's arm, I think. Yeah. And then her leg gets blown off. And then you get the cool shot of Ellie like lying down, but like looking hard to describe. She's lying down, but like looking upside down at Beth across the hall. Yeah, so her yeah, head's yeah. like on the ground looking up. And then that's when you get the kind of the classic line, like she says to uh Beth, everybody dies by dawn, Beth. And then everyone else wakes up everyone and they're all dead, dead by dawn, dawn, dead by dawn. <laughs> and it's, it's all good. very creepy looking and the best doing that laugh. And then there's a lot of really interesting images in that book, in the Necronomicon, in this one. And like even when the oh, yeah. oh, daughter even, gets possessed, because yeah. yeah, when the daughter gets possessed, the image that's attached to her, it looks like a, like a like squid or octopus kind of creature coming out of her mouth but yeah. it turns out to be like the the bugs the, or the black insects. stuff or whatever yeah. it was like the, the symbiote stuff that comes out when it's uh in this scene it's then the book of like the body joining together and mm. what i really like about this whole scene is how long the director holds on showing you what it looks like so throughout that this whole scene yeah. and where it goes like you really don't see it until like the end of what it is but you kind of know what you're expecting to see and the yeah. first thing i thought of when that boy seeing that image and then seeing what they did with it i was like this is the last of us part two i don't know if you, you same, played the last of us part exactly two. Yeah. the same I was like this I, is I, the so rat king like that's exactly <laughs> i lent over to, i lent over to my girlfriend and i said color color out of space meets the rat king from the last of us yeah. part two is what and is even like the location when you think of they end up in the parking lot downstairs yeah same as the last of us and and like i had the opportunity to ask a question or try and ask a question at the premiere to the director and i had nothing and then when i i left i was oh. like that would have been my question because i was like <laughs> is this from I, the I last like, of us yeah like, and i felt like even if it wasn't consciously done it was subconsciously done you must have yeah. been playing because when he would have been writing that film it wouldn't have been too long after the last of us two came out so yeah. I was like that had to have been a reference points and mm. i think they, they've given the official name to that deadite it's called the marauder but uh oh, wow. that's okay. the name that they've given it's, that i one. mean it's, it's serious final boss vibes isn't it yeah uh, <laughs> it feels like a resident evil type of thing well it going does on. and it and it did remind me of resident evil in a way because that parking lot is very reminiscent of the parking lot in resident evil 2 2 um, yeah and with the gate and everything yeah the like, gate the gate is exactly in. the same it almost looks like i feel like the lighting's exactly the same um I think even some of the like again, it's quite a, a car stand. placement and stuff like that, like just yeah. the way things and, are laid and out. And again, and it felt and it did feel like um, Last of Us too, because when the Rat King is revealed, he's revealed in a very similar way. I say he, like I'm giving agenda to this Rat King. <laughs> uh, the Rat Kings are revealed in a similar way, where you kind of just hear something, you see some something's like scuttle off in the direction of that way, and then you see a shadow of something, and it isn't until right until it's right there in front of you that you physically see Get what the this full is. reveal of what it is. Very. And obviously, well, because yeah. we've gone too far ahead, we obviously get the elevator scene before that, when they go into the elevator oh, scene. Yeah, so before they get down to the parking lot, which so the only for me, thing that was stopping the elevator was like something in the way of the yeah, what was it? <laughs> and like the so like Evil Dead for me, the franchise has been when I was younger my favorite. Well, in general now, when I think about it, it's my favorite horror franchise overall. Mm -hmm. Um, but the first film was my favorite horror film for a very long time. And I think the film that overtook it at the time, I think was It Follows when I saw that, I think that jumped up to my like number one. But mm. the, my favorite horror film of all time now is The Shining. So yeah. oh, for me to see this elevator scene, yeah. it was almost like my very first favorite horror film combining <laughs> with my current favorite horror film 
And it was almost like a passing of the torch visually through the film to see the shining yeah. reference in this film. And like that, that moment has been referenced in so many things. And I'm like, it's just one I think it's gotta be one of the most iconic horror moments because I mean obviously you've mentioned it's, it's, it, it happens in this film, but does it happen in Doctor Sleep as well? Do we get pretty much the same moment? I think they replicate Sleep? it. And I think the first time I probably would have ever seen it was in the Simpsons episode. They did do it in the Simpsons episode, didn't <laughs> Oh, man, they? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think and that's the funny thing. I think that was my introduction to The Shining in general was The Simpsons. Yeah, <laughs> I, I honestly think I might be the same. I think so many so many things in The Simpsons where I'm like, hang on a minute, this is from The Simpsons. It's like, Simpsons, no. yeah. It's like, oh, wait, The Simpsons is referencing <laughs> Simpsons stuff. Simpsons is referencing this. Um, and also, have you seen, um, Ready Player One gets the scene yep. as well. Yeah. Whole scene it's in just... that. Which is, I find that interesting in Ready Player One, just in the thought process of having Spielberg recreate yeah. a scene like that like someone as highly regarded as spielberg playing with kubrick's kind of yeah. vision of that but the fact that this this i love this scene because yeah it's the shining but at this point i was really starting to feel aliens um it wasn't just it wasn't just the um the visuals but the soundtrack um there was that really me, 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 uh sorry <laughs> metallic metallic slash mecha mechanic like clunk like in the soundtrack, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm just, just describing that terribly, but there was something about that. And the action, as the action ramped up, the soundtrack was like that, very much Aliens. The way she scoops up Cassie as the as the the lift is filling with blood, and they're kind of like, and it's the act of them kind of being in that liquid, isn't it? It's almost like the the scene from Aliens where they're yeah, kind of walking they're, through it, the water, and the yeah. xenomorph comes back, and mm. um, and that was actually something that someone brought up in the Q and A. Actually, is they did. They started to talk about references and the director thought he meant references to Evil Dead. And then the person starts to list off aliens and things. And he's like, oh, we're talking about other films. And that was the one of the first ones that someone mentioned was aliens and like the whole new kind of thing going on. Because it really yeah. does very quickly kind of feel and like you said before, it's almost like it transitions into this whole film. Beth has been fearful of motherhood and what journey mm -hmm. she's going to have to go on. And then suddenly it's like it's her and her niece and she's got like no choice but to protect because she's the only she's yeah. relied on her sister her whole life for the answers and the solutions but our sister is like the problem <laughs> and now she's got to come up with the solution herself and kind of grow into that savior yeah. role and you've got to, and you've got to immediately immediately grow into that savior role. Yeah. it's not a case of like having some time to think about it you've got right now you've got to step up so yeah it was uh yeah it's great and obviously the fact when the lift opens, all the blood comes rushing out. Comes well. out I mean, it's just like <laughs> it's just effective. I think it's just effective. If we can have a blood-filled lift in any film, I think it would improve it slightly. Uh, and obviously, one initially... of those references that I never get tired of as well. It's like even though it's been overdone, it's like no, I'll always like to see a bloody elevator sequence in something. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, and that's obviously where most of the blood budget probably went to, uh, which was that. Um, uh, well, also. Previously, when again we're talking about uh, the little uh, breadcrumbs being left, scissors, shotgun, all the other things. Another one was the guy's the neighbor saying he was a tree surgeon and that all of his gear was downstairs in the parking lot. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious. I don't know about you, but I was like, that's got to be where the chainsaw is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's got to be it because you see the chainsaw because there's two like almost iconic lifting of weapon shots aren't there there's like yeah. a there's a big shotgun shot like that with beth and then there's another one with the with the um with the chainsaw, chainsaw. and neither of these had happened yet so i was like oh what's gonna happen down here uh, so 
oh, Cassie obviously is unconscious as well. So Beth has to literally bring her back to life. Um, bring her back to life or maybe just wake her up. I can't remember. And she feels like she's dead. I think she says, oh, am I in heaven? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. She does yeah. say that, doesn't she? <laughs> well, if you're in heaven, I've got some bad news because yeah. it's horrible. <laughs> it's pretty horrible down here. Um, so, yeah, they're trying to escape. They go and jump into the car. And do they? The car starts. Uh, the gate's right, not can... opening. The, the gate, they're trying to use the little control thing to open the gate and it's not opening. When that happens in a game. When anything like that happens in a game where you're like, right, I'm, fin- <laughs> I'm finally escaping, I'm in the car, and then you realise that you've got to make another journey like to somewhere yeah. to grab it's something. Like, oh, you're like, this is where the, the final boss is going to emerge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, I mean, I've recently played through the remakes of 2, 3, 4, and Village, and it is just such a final boss moment, like a final, final, <laughs> for, a final form moment where you're just like, I've killed that thing, it's exploded. It's fine. I, I've burnt it to death. It's definitely not going to come back. And then, right before the final like escape, is when the like final. So you can almost sense the euphoria when they're in that car, thinking we've done it. And it's yeah. like, nope. <laughs> yeah. And then I think Which you get I would... the shot of like the door just shutting, and they're like, oh, it's already in the room. And you get like these really close shots of like one limb like scurrying across the floor, little shadow of it yeah. just running across. And I like that because I think sometimes. Although they do eventually show it. And even though they when they do show it, they don't show it that much. But mm. I think a lot of film, or it's one thing I usually don't like in my horror films, is if you've got a creature like that, it's just showing it off too much. Because it kind of yeah. doesn't become scary. But I like that the director was restrained enough to hide it for as long as possible until yeah. you had to see it. I don't it. think you could, like, you got, like, I mean, it's one of those things. If I had to, like, sketch it, I probably would struggle. I'd be like, okay, well, it's kind of like her, the mum and then their either side, but like you don't ever get like a real decent look at of the, the, whole the whole thing at once. The whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and obviously they'd nearly get away as well. The fact that they roll under the open grate <laughs> and then Cassie just gets like yanked, <laughs> slurped off back that way, like a real Indiana Jones moment where you, but she forgets her hat and turned. Yeah. Up. yeah. <laughs> um, and she has to go back in, and obviously, initially she can't like get in, and I can't remember exactly how this pans. How does she get back in? She's trying to bust like the, there's the bit to the side of the gate, and she's like busting that down with the shotgun, I think. She's, yeah, like banging it into it. Yeah, and then it, and then the abomination. That's what's listed as on Wikipedia. But what did you say? The Marauder. Uh the Marauder is what he called it in an interview. Yeah. Is there like a is a Marauder like a like a an enemy in some in some sort of game? It sounds like it. I feel like that that does sound like a name I recognize, and it also sounds feel, like the type of name that would be given to some sort of like Viking. I feel like I, type I, feel like I know what it is. I swear it's in Doom Eternal. It's that like does the, sound uh, like it's ringing a bell. It's that like does the sound one, like something from Doom. <laughs> yeah, it's like the one you can't shoot without like it always dodges everything. You've got to like stun it before you. Yeah, it is. Marauder, it Doom Eternal. It's the oh, it's the one with the axe. The, I don't know if you have you played Doom Eternal. I've played some of it, but I haven't played all of it. Yeah, there's like a character. There's like a, a enemy, sorry, which has got like a sort of glowing axe thing, and it it dodges all your. It's like one of the supposedly most difficult ones to ones enemy to fight. types. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the Marauder tries to kill Cassie like with a chainsaw. Um. I can't remember. Is, is she the first one? Is the is the creature the first one to use the chainsaw? Or is, is Beth trying to use it before? I'm not sure. Um, but essentially, uh, she's the first, I think, because that's the first time we see it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got 
essentially there's like a massive wood chipper that like kicks into kicks into gear as well um <laughs> which which is pretty horrific um so we get shotgun she uses the shotgun a few times um when she's fighting the marauder um, yeah, and the marauder is but... trying to like drag her into the wood chipper i believe she's trying to throw yeah her and this is and yeah this it is the marauder that like turns it well i guess she doesn't turn it on but trying to drag yeah. her into it trying to drag her into it and cassie, cassie even pulls, helps yeah yeah and then that's when you get the moment of the well you know, actually know yeah she does shoot her with the shotgun first then you get the moment of her picking up the, the chainsaw yeah and uh um, and it's not it's not as iconic as the 2013 chainsaw moment I think it's tough to beat, you know, in a, a situation where it's literally raining blood and you're jamming a, you know, and you've, the Deadite has tried to mock you by saying, I'll swallow your soul and just swallow this motherfucker. Um, and you I know, think this is another moment where I felt, oh yeah, this is just mimicking 2013 again. Because it's like, so it's, what was it? It was the glass we had earlier with the cutting yeah. of the face and eating glass. Uh, what was the other scene earlier on? can't remember it already. Uh, we said about the needle the needle almost oh yeah the, the needle effect. and then you've got this chainsaw scene and it's like chainsaws nothing new in evil dead but it's the way this scene goes it's like it's the same because it's, it's jamming a chainsaw like into the face and like getting mm. covered in blood so like i kind of i don't mind it but i remember when i was first watching i'm like oh this feels a bit too similar like it's like it doesn't feel yeah. fresh enough mm. but uh it's still very cool effects and gore and yeah i think they could have easily like made the most of the wood chipper and not even had a chainsaw however i think the chainsaw's so like affiliated with evil dead that they somewhere. like had to be in there somewhere yeah. and they couldn't and... get the car so the director said at the q a they couldn't get the car into the film in a logistical way so the color of the car is the color of the chainsaw oh okay. same color yeah so it's right, that kind of like my... yeah 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 Okay, okay, I like that. You could have thought the car could have just been in the garage somewhere, like yeah, maybe in the background. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I still like that. I like the fact that Cassie helps as well. You know, the because the, the wood chipper gets turned off, and then Beth says like, "Turn it on now." Um, yeah, as as they team the, up, <laughs> a big a team up team up with a five year old. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of team up. Um, and then yeah, Ellie's like severed head is all that's left. Basically, we see all of the other body parts and the other kids the other dead kids go into it um and then right at the end is when ellie's decapitated head i can't remember exactly what she says she talks she talks yeah there is a line of dialogue i can't remember what it is but then she she kicks her head head straight into the wood chipper yeah (laughs) she penenkas it straight into the yeah literally straight into it it. um which you know is great but yeah, and but there is a good. I, I like the fact that the human nature gets taken out of it a little bit before this because Ka- even Cassie realizes that's not mum anymore. You know, it's not yeah. like anyone's going. Let's. This is another thing that I always feel a bit sad about. Like people who get um, possessed by the dead, like, they're done for. They're not going to be. Yeah, it's almost like once it happens once, it's like it's, it's over. There's no coming back. Has anyone yeah. ever I'm trying to think other than Ash, Ash? Has anyone Ash. ever actually overcome and come back? I don't think they have. I feel like it's every single person at some point, you know, they might come back for a little bit, but yeah. they well, inevitably turn again. And... We we never know what happens to Mia after 2013. That's I'm a assuming good point. she. Yeah. yeah. I always say I always wanted like more of her story, you know. Um, I think we mentioned it. We mentioned it last week. We were talking about the actress who plays Mia. Like she, I think she was in Don't Breathe after that. But I kind of thought it was going to be a a huge like moment for her as an actress, like 
in terms of being in more horror, but I don't think she's been in much at all. Yeah, she kind of Jane Levy's her name, isn't it? Jane yeah, Levy. She's that's in right, Don't yeah. Breathe, and I, I can't think I've seen her in anything else really no, since. But like series, her in Evil Dead. That's one of my favorite final girls in any horror mm-hmm. film. Because I think I just cause she goes for it all in that film. She like starts off as the lead, becomes the deadite, then becomes mm-hmm. the final girl, and yeah. And like we said, the way that the whole final scene in that film is orchestrated, I think, is just from from the moment like the the dead rise up from the ground at the climax of 2013. And then this blood rain and chainsaw or she loses the arm as well. Cause her arm gets crushed by the truck. Oh yeah, of and... course. Oh yeah. That's horrible. Oh, and she's I like pulling it away. And it's literally oh, like, no, just... no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, something horrific. About and there's that one of the most impactful moments of 2013 is when she's in that like really narrow space. And I think, is it a chainsaw or something? No, I think it's just a machete. That's being like pulled through the wood, and yeah. one comes across her knee, and yeah. it's pulled and like right across the top of the knee, just sliced. Like, <laughs> I mean, she doesn't go for it as much as that other dude, but it's pretty close. It's a pretty yeah. close run thing. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's um. So th- that's pretty much it in terms of the story for Evil Dead Rise. Obviously, we do get like a little bit of a a moment at the end which links it to the first scene but yeah so they essentially just escape don't they um cassie yeah. and beth just drive out um i don't even know if we get a moment essentially it's the next day after that and this is when jessica the girl from the beginning who was ill in the cabin um arrives and is completely like oblivious to everything around her pretty I much i found that quite initially. funny like it's like oh, wait there, there were other people like on these it makes you think like well the people on the other floor how did they not know what was going on here <laughs> like yeah, the elevator just, going crazy like <laughs> you come down you come down and start your car in the morning you're just like why is there literally a river of blood just blood just everywhere <laughs> and then you get like um, the iconic shot again from like all angles of just like the the deadlight cam i'm just gonna call yeah. it just zooming in on on her she's turning in at every so angle what? Are we thinking that just like the dead eye spirit was just it, it it was it came out of the body of Ellie and it was just like lurking around in this? Yeah, I guess. Or yeah, it's kind of that type of thing. Or maybe like multiple spirits were kind of summoned like... from the book and they were just kind of. Well, maybe it's I feel to like do the with possibilities the possibilities are endless, aren't they? The possibilities are. And that's the thing like with this endless. franchise. I'm kind of glad they haven't milked it. Mm. But at the same time, this is one of those franchises where there actually is justifiable stories to make because i think mm. the director said he had three from this one film three ideas of where he could take it he said about the priests which i think would be a really cool thing to see like what was going on with the priests the continuation of this and i can't remember what the other thing he said was there was another element of the story that he could expand but i can't i can't remember but there's that and then there's if you just think back to army of darkness and what that brought to the mm. equation in terms of time travel and portals it's like you can <laughs> yeah. literally go 20 100 way into the future and see what that's going on with the book and how that you know you could do a jason x type thing with evil dead if you wanted to and it evil would make dead sense space. yeah like, like or you could go back to older periods like but i think the the story with the and that's where bruce campbell's cameo is actually is is he the person on the recording that yells out to the priest. No, the priest on the recording that yells out. Um, it's only a very quick line. That's Bruce Campbell's camera. Oh, it is. I didn't know that. Um, so that's and a... yeah, I think that story is just quite interesting. Like, or quite interesting to think about is like what went on with these priests with these books, three of mm. them. How would like 
priest, if you think of what all they do in these films to try and like stop the deadites, how would a priest back then, what would they be doing to try and yeah. stop? Well, yeah, because because the recording on on the on the vinyl also says that he's tried to um, burn them. Tried it's like to... Resident Evil, isn't it? It's like a, a, a an audio diary of a game. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Where you like hear that thing, where it's, or it's like the you know where like in the games where you get. Uh, you see the dead body, you pick up the note, and it's like, why in their last moments would they be like, you imagine them with a pencil just writing out everything on a piece of paper just for the person that might so, find someone's it. Someone's got to find this. Yeah. Well, if you're going into a new area where there's a new enemy and you'll find, like, essentially the way to kill it in notes, wouldn't you? You'll be yeah. Like, it's, you've got to use the liquid nitrogen and then blow it away <laughs> with a shotgun. It essentially, says, like, the only thing that would essentially kill the deadites is just completely obliterating their like limbs essentially i guess yeah um just taking them apart uh so yeah that that is pretty much how it ends with the spirit like coming straight toward jessica and attacking her and obviously that links to the first scene as well that it, it gets out of this building it goes out on a lovely little trip uh and yeah who knows who knows like whether the next door is open could for the future carry on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so many avenues for them to go which i find really intriguing and like yeah, in some ways when Bruce Campbell said about doing them more frequently. Part of me was like, oh, but I think what makes Evil Dead so special is that we have had to wait so long. And I, I just hope that, I think there's more story potential so this won't happen, but I hope they don't do the Scream thing where I felt like Scream 5 came out and it's like, okay, it's been 10 years since Scream 4. Mm. And then a year later, Scream 6, it's like, wait, the whole thing with yeah. Scream is like, it makes a commentary on the state of horror. And it's like, we only had course, one year yeah. last year. Like what's happened in yeah. a year in horror for them to really talk about they, and make a commentary. They, the only thing they do is they name drop Letterboxd. That's yeah. Much it, <laughs> like, yeah. So it's like, but I think with Evil Dead, there is so much more like meat on the bone for where they could do with the story that like, yeah. you could like, it wouldn't feel forced for them to expand on it in like multiple ways, whether they did like yeah. a new TV show and like a new film. Yeah, of or even a game. I'd like if they did like a game to explore, mm. say, the priests, and like do it through a video yeah, game and let single you play player, it. single player game, single player campaign. I feel like so much you can do with that. Um, okay, so that is Evil Dead Rise. This is the part of the show, Terrell, where we usually play something called the name game. Andy is usually the the guy who comes up with these. So he sent me a few. Um, I'm not usually as good as good at them but i will explain how it works so essentially i'm going to give you a synopsis to a movie uh yeah. which sounds very much like evil dead rise however the synopsis will be slightly different and the title will be slightly different as well um i'll give you an easy one to start with so that hopefully it'll <laughs> hopefully it'll, it's easy it'll, it'll make sense <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> i say hopefully it's easy but i'm probably the worst person at this um ever even though i do it every week so <laughs> this film is a twisted tale of two estranged sisters whose reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh-possessing demons. But first, they decide to indulge in a bake-off. Wait, is this a real film? No. Oh, right. Just, so I'm, I create I'm just, the name. I'm, I'm describing a film, and you give me the name. It sounds like Evil Dead Rise. Uh, uh... <laughs> Wait, many, what what many... was it again? Did read it out again? <laughs> Uh, a twisted tale of two estranged sisters whose reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh-eating possessed demons. But first, the two engage in a bake-off. They make some baked I'm, goods I'm, together. I'm, I'm, th I'm, th I'm thinking the, the cake rises. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of. You're, you're very close. You're very close. It's evil bread rise. 
Evil bear is a good one. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I could I could have said something about the yeast, couldn't I? They're gonna get more. They're gonna get more complicated now. So I apologise in advance. Uh, <laughs> wait, I've lit, I've written this down and I've not even managed. To, okay, here we go. Um, a twisted tale of two estranged sisters whose reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh-possessed demons. One of which is wearing the skin of Homer Simpson's next-door neighbour. Evil Ned Rice. <laughs> is that you're so, what it is? You're so close. It's wearing the skin of, of Ned. Evil Ned. <laughs> oh, my mind's gone blank. <laughs> it's not easy, man. It's not easy. Evil um, Evil Ned. Evil Ned dies? <laughs> e- evil no. Ned disguise. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that uh that was well, mine, I like actually. that one. U- usually I would say I give all the credit to Andy, but that was mine. Um <laughs> okay. And then I'll only do a few more, I promise. Uh twisted tale <laughs> of two estranged sisters whose reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh f- flesh possessing demons. Um but before that, they don't go for pizza. They go to a chain of baked goods, f- mainly famous in the UK, uh and get some <laughs> And get some meat-based pastry to eat. So a famous chain of baked goods from the UK, and they go and get themselves something some Greg's related. <laughs> it is evil, something Greg's. Evil Greg's. Wait, pastry and meat. Oh, mine's gone blank again. <laughs> I want to say this is my favourite part of the show, but uh, it's it's not. My mind goes blank every time. It's Evil Greg's Pies. Should have got that one. <laughs> I'm disappointed in myself. I'm not getting that one. I was trying to think. I was like, I was like, no, not sausage roll. Not, not you know. <laughs> and it's another food related one. This is the last one. This is the last one. Uh, this is from Andy. Andy says, um, oh, he's given me, he's given me an actual synopsis as well. Well, there's two, actually. I'm going to give you two more. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) I nearly said it. A wicked woman named Megan is desperate to bump off her stepchildren, so she exclusively serves them food deeply cooked. (laughs) I don't understand. A wicked woman (laughs) named Megan is desperate to bump off her stepchildren, so she exclusively serves them potato-based deep-fried snacks. Aside. Her name's Megan. Megan. Evil Meg. Fries. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Got one. Evil Meg Fries. Okay, and the last one. Um, This is Andy's as well. A new podcast uh, gives dishonest but engaging 15-minute presentations. Uh, I'm going to not just say a podcast. I'm going to say a talk. It's a guy on a stage giving a talk, but it's dishonest. It's evil. This talk that this guy's giving on stage. Evil Ted lies. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got well, it. I'm proud of you myself for those two. <laughs> I've got about three more written down. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, treat you to those because I don't even know where I would start. <laughs> Sometimes like I write them down, and I, in my head I'm like, I know exactly what I mean by that. But then I come back to it at the end of the episode, and I go. Nope. Forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember for a second. Okay. Uh so the last thing we've got to do, Terrell, is rate the film. Um standard A to F ratings, pluses and minuses are allowed. Um so I guess like where where would you rate it, but also like where would it rank in terms of the Evil Dead franchise for you? 
So I think I'll give it an A. Um, because for me, it 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 does everything everything that I as a fan would want to see in an Evil Dead film in terms of like the energy of the film, the intensity, the kind of violence, the visceral nature. It does all of that really well. And I actually appreciate the fact that although it's tonally somewhere in the ballpark of 2013's Evil Dead, I kind of respect that it doesn't try and emulate it by just being outright violent and crazy like that one is. So it still manages to be its own thing and create like an... And that's something I really respect about the franchise and what I love about it is although all of the films are kind of connected in some way and they have a an aesthetic that you know is Evil Dead and they have traits that you know this is Evil Dead... They all each film feels different in their own unique way. Hmm. Like with the first film, you've kind of got your your typical yeah. cabin in the woods kind of one. The second one's like the almost like the remake of that with comedy and it's a very slapstick horror. And then the third one's like a straight up fantasy film with like the horror elements, but it feels like Clash of the Titans, like the old school ones. And then you've got the remake, which for me feels like the original vision for the original one, but like proper hardcore and fully like reimagined and then you've got this one which is kind of like a blend of kind of multiple elements it's got parts of the comedy but not too full-on it's got like the visceral nature of it and then it's got like this story about kind of family in between um how i'd rank the franchise so my favorite one's still the 2013 one i think because i've never seen a film like that like I, I, i even like 10 years later i've still not seen a horror film like that where it's like it knows what it is and in terms of like the kind of gnarly, violent nature, it like just goes for it and just yeah. executes it. And like, and I, that film's just grown. Like, I loved it when I first saw it back then. And like, it's just grown on me even more over the 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. Number two, I put Evil Dead 2. Because uh, yeah. I just think that film, once again, is a film, there's nothing like it. Like, <laughs> in terms of like horror comedy, there's just nothing yeah. like I that. Feel like... That film's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that is like the quintessential evil dead film that's when i think evil dead i think that um, yeah because it i feel it like marries yeah. the two elements of like horror and comedy like perfectly in that one yeah and the slapstick nature and the makeup effects and so many of the iconic things of evil dead came in that film like mm. in terms of like, the imagery and things like that and that's like the best film to like watch a drunk or something like that to like just like experience like a crazy film whilst not being so well, yeah that's well, cause, the one because you're you're a fan you're a fan of watching films while taking edibles aren't you yeah and that is yeah, like yeah, yeah. what that evil dead 2 is one of the films like i'd put the label on as like the one of the best films to experience yeah. <laughs> like because it's like it's it's maddening but like in a good way like you just watch it and stuff's just happening and was your second really did, you did you do that for your second second go around on evil dead rise I did it both times. Oh, you did it both times. <laughs> did both times, and like it, yeah, it was brilliant <laughs> both times. Like it's because you just get wrapped up in the intensity of the film, and it really, really works. And like yeah, third film I put Evil Dead Rise. So Evil Dead Rise I put after two, um, and I think once again yeah. it's like it it takes elements that I love about thirteen, and then just does new new stuff, mm. creates new lore, very intriguing, and I think just that performance from Alicia Sutherland is like. I think that's destined to be iconic because I think what she does with it, she mm. is like, car- like not to say that the rest of the film is bad, but she's carrying this film with her performance. Like it yeah. all hinges on her in a way because if that performance doesn't work, the whole rest of the film isn't going to work. Mm. And I think she really like steps up to it and really like does such a good job with the performance in Evil Dead Rise. And then mm-hmm. after that, I'd have the original, which which what I'll say is despite the ranking of all of these films, I love them all anyway. So it's like, 
even though oh, Army man, of Darkness yeah. I'd have in the last spot, I still really enjoy that film as well. They're, they're all great films yeah. in my eyes. That's and I think that's, I've... once again, a rare thing with a, to have a franchise where you could rank them all. Yeah. But like, even the one that's last, it's not a bad film or it's not a film yeah. you dislike. You still really like it. But it's like... Well, yes. So I, I put my ranking out earlier on Twitter and somebody commented saying this, this post gave me whiplash. And that was because I put e- The Evil Dead in last. Now, yeah. I, but I like that film. I, yeah. I, I love that <laughs> film. Thing. But the fact is I've ranked them. They're all so, so similar in terms of my, my love for them that I'm not ranking them and going, that one's awful. This one's great. There, and I think there aren't many horror franchises out there where every sort of installment, I mean, even like things like Ash versus Evil Dead as well, like is is good. It's not like yeah. it, it's not like tarnished the the legacy of like these films. It's still great. So, yeah, that's the kind um, of thing, because like even though I've got the original at number four in my ranking, that used to be yeah. my favorite horror film of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's still a film I love, but like it's just as time moves on, like these yeah. other ones I appreciate for different reasons. So similar, my, I'll, I'll go through my ranking as well, very, very similarly to you. Um, I'm going to go for an A minus. I've only seen it once so far. I'd like to see it again. I feel like I'm going to appreciate it a lot more when I see it again. Um, great time though, you know, for probably one of my most anticipated films of the year. I'm glad that it lived up to that. Everything from that title card through to, and I, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I'm glad it didn't fully go down the route of uber violence. It kind of just went, we're still going to be violent, but you know there is a family story to tell at the heart of it as well. Um, so we're not. And again, those little nods to the 2013 one, nods to the other films. I appreciate that. But yeah, my ranking is Evil Dead Two for me has always been number one because it is the most quintessential like um, Evil Dead experience for me. But then I feel like Evil Dead 2013 is also the most quintessential Evil Dead experience, but it's a completely different experience. Uh, they both work. They're both right up there in terms of their levels. Uh, I've gone for Evil Dead Rise. Free Army of Darkness four and Evil Dead five, but they're all pretty close for me. Yeah. You know, they're all like, they're all they're all highly rated films. But yeah, I think I think A minus for me at the moment is fine. It might be one of those that I grow to appreciate more, but still, that's pretty high ranking for for me. I think on this, especially for a new film, sometimes I come in a little bit unsure. Um, yeah, for that. wait for the different viewings to see how they impact you. Yeah, because as you thoughts. said, with with your second viewing, you you picked up so much uh there we go then that is evil dead rise so thanks so much for joining us terrell where can our listeners find your stuff and keep up to speed with you i will put everything in the show notes as well so like the links to your podcast and things yeah so you can follow me on twitter at terrell graham um and then the podcast is called mind of the escapist so you can search that up on spotify or apple music the youtube channel is also called that as well although i'm not as active on the youtube channel so the podcast is like the main spot um and i'll be doing frequent episodes on various things on there as well yeah awesome yeah so i'll put all of that in the show notes so please go and follow uh the podcast um uh and everything so you're next you're covering more evil dead films next yeah so my next episode is going to be me kind of going over in detail like each individual one um and kind of like just going more into detail with my history with each film and like my the memories i have of them because i have like memories attached to each one of like when i first saw it yeah like the age I was and what that made me feel as a like horror fan and how they've like kind of influenced me as a horror fan. That's what I kind of look, I feel like horror fans have like such a personal, like you have like an ownership over like your tastes and experiences with horror that are like very personal. And it's mm. like, I have so many memories attached to individual horror films of the time I saw it, 
the age, what that made me think about the genre as a whole, how that increased my interest in the genre, what I then watched afterwards because of that, or how I discovered this other film by the same filmmaker. Like, I find there's just so many different avenues that you can kind of go down in the horror genre, which makes it always so fun to explore. And I think as yeah. I get older, I really appreciate, like, I, I'm like a sucker for nostalgia, and I really appreciate the things that I did when I was younger that you didn't really realize you would kind of look back on and be like, oh, that was cool. Like watching Evil yeah. Dead when you was 12 and that yeah, suddenly yeah. being like a big memory when you're older. And like when it comes to other horror films, like me and my friends when we were much younger, because we couldn't see it in the cinema, we used to get like um, copies of Saw every year on like DVD and would watch those. And it was always exciting every Halloween to watch the new Saw film, even though we were really young. And it's like having all these little things and little memories of what you used to do centered around horror, I find like really, mm. it's just like happy yeah. memories to look back on. And, uh, mm. and then yeah. kind of going back into that and thinking about it and talking about it, I find really interesting to just explore. Cause yeah, every definitely. horror fan you encounter has their own kind of story. Yeah, they've all got like their different experiences, different story. And what I love about horror fans is that like, they don't seem to like gatekeep things either, do they? Like whatever horror films you tend to like and whatever genres are your favorites, they kind of, everyone seems to be in it together. And they're more willing uh, to share as well. They're more like in, interested to be like, oh, I've seen this. Have you seen it? Oh, you should check it out. More so than like judging you for not seeing something yeah, by yeah, a certain yeah. time. Exactly. It's good. It's a good time to be a horror fan. It's a, it is a great time. Um, so um, thanks everybody for listening. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. Thanks to our current patrons, including John Crinnan, Ben Scaife, Stephen Christopher, Toby Miller, Lane Spencer, Ollie Child, Leslie Carlo, Julia Bilger, Nick Spill, Troy Bursch, uh, Rosalind Harnies, and Pazuzu. Thanks to Taj Easton for our theme music. Thanks to ACAST for hosting the show. Please consider giving us a rating or review. Head over to the Facebook group Horror Hangout Board of Advisors for more. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Just search Horror Hangout Podcast. And next week, we're doing uh, one of Terrell's favorites, Tenebrae, with uh, director Colin G. Cooper. So a big, nice Jallo fest. Colin G. Cooper, I did do an interview with him about his um, horror, his Jallo short film, Bath Bomb. That is up on the feed at the moment as a bonus episode. So please go and check that out. Uh, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. We covered a hell of a lot not just about evil dead rise but just about evil dead franchise and everything in between thanks again so much for joining us terrell thanks for having me on i really enjoyed that nice one and uh we'll see you again soon see you see you, everybody bye Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.